Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yes, once again, it is time for your football party, where we hit you over the head with our opinion every now and then, but never with a helmet. We got a little more class than to do something like that. Welcome in. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Saturday night, November the 16th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are in the house to discuss all things NFL. We had week 10 last weekend. We have week 11 tomorrow, most of week 11, but week 11 got started off in a very newsworthy fashion, and you can stop me if you disagree, Jay, but I think the events of Thursday night were such that we probably should get that out of the way first before we even go back and recap week 10, because that's what everyone is talking about right now is what happened in that Brown Steelers game Thursday night between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph, uh, if you want to get started with your thoughts, you can go right ahead. Well, unbeknownst to the, the general public was I, I actually paid off Miles Garrett to knock off, you know, to rip off the helmet and knock Mason Rudolph over the head so that we could spend so much time talking about it on this show that we didn't have time to talk about all my shit picks from last week. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense now. So, I understand. I I don't I really don't need to spend much time talking about last <laughs> week. Oh my god. Uh even when I would even when I had picks I thought I had in the bag, they'd somehow turn into losers or I'd I'd get hooked or you know, you have uh you have the Green Bay Carolina one which was pretty much when I sent you the fuck my life text like really I was going to guess that was what sent you over the edge, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it became one of those where, yeah, we, we think he scored, but we can't prove it. <laughs> of course. So we're, we're just going to not, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do it all, you know. Oh, my God, yeah. So even the picks that looked like I had one somehow managed to turn into losers last week. Or, you know, six-point spreads or five-and-a-half-point spreads turned into five-point wins. It's just like, oh, you know. Yeah. So, no, uh, I saw the Miles Garrett thing as a a team, I think, that has completely lost its way. I think the Cleveland Browns are probably the worst coach team in the league. Uh, they're the most undisciplined team in the league. All the statistics bear it out. Most ejections, most penalties, most penalty yards. And I I don't know what history Miles Garrett and, and Mason Rudolph have with each other, but ooh, they, they don't like each other. And it, it I look at it as unfortunate, but that really that that does strike of guy guy lost his shit, you know, heat of passion, and 
got a helmet in his hand and Mason Rudolph still coming after him and he's, he had had enough of him and he clobbered him over the head with his helmet. Um, I think that the penalties were in this day and age, the penalties were, were justified. I think if this was 20 years ago, he'd probably get a two game suspension <laughs> or something weak, but um, in the, in the yeah, modern 40 era, years ago, it wouldn't even be that much. Yeah. No, no, he probably he'd be that'd be posterized uh, forty years right, ago. Right, right. That'd be on the jacked up it. videos. They'd, yeah, they'd have the new jacked up video with with Miles Garrett uh, jacking up Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. People are like, oh hell yeah! But you yeah. know, in the day of CTE and concussions, it, yeah, you, you can't have that. Although uh, my favorite uh, part of that play was after he gets hit in the head, Mason Rudolph starts standing there doing the whole, Hey, Hey, no way he hit me. And then, uh, Okajobi just runs up and just jacks him up. <laughs> right. So that was actually my favorite. I was pointing this out to people at, at work. Cause you we were watching this on all the, it was on all the talk shows the next day. I was pointing it out to all, to all the coworkers. I'm like, no, no, watch this part. And not everybody had seen that. Cause you know, a lot of the clips would end with him getting hit in the helmet. Yeah. And what you fail to see is then the part where Rudolph is just standing there, like waving his arms at the refs, like, "Hey, you know what's going on?" He just hit me in the head, and then here comes the other guy who just completely lights up Rudolph. Uh, my favorite part of the whole play. And then after Garrett hits Rudolph over the head, then you've got the Steelers curb stomping Garrett on the ground. I mean, the whole thing was just. Yeah, Marquise Townsley basically <sighs> went completely street thug yeah. on that one. Yeah, he just... curb stomped him, right? I mean, isn't that? Yeah. Trying to Basically kick him and punch him, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that, that so was outside the, the nightclub thing, at that point. Yeah, the whole thing was a mess. This was, this was without the helmet swinging around. What we had at the end of that, but nobody ever wants to talk about. This is basically uh, a oh, miniaturized version of what we had at the end of that New England Seattle Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, <laughs> no one remembers that. Were, yeah, nobody ever talks about that, right? Nobody talks about what happened after Russell Wilson threw the interception in the end zone um, on those on those next few kneel downs uh, with the with the Seahawks and the Patriots in that Super Bowl. But obviously, the big the big thing here was the the helmet hit, and you got you can't you can't do that. Anything else? You throw a punch, you, you know, you get a game. Even if you had just punched him after he took his helmet off, but you don't swing downward at a dude's head uh, also a quarterback and a guy who's been previously uh, concussed this season so I think all those factors uh, ended up with we ended up with the appropriate penalties I do believe I think everybody universally agreed that um, you know that is you know that's like uh, the only person who's standing up and slow clapping for this right now is Vontez Perfect right <laughs> And and that was that level. It didn't sicken me as much as the the perfect thing when perfect you know knocked out Antonio Brown's lights because that was just clearly like a dirty cheap shot. Where this was, I think, more a brawl. This was guys fighting. You know, you get it in every sport, right? Baseball bench clearing brawls and basketball guys fight and people throw punches. I think the thing that really you know changed it in this element was that the fact that the guy was holding a giant piece of molded plastic this this would be no different than like if in baseball the guy who gets hit by a pitch actually runs out to the mound and hits the pitcher with his bat yes so that was that was the big comp was the the Juan Marichal yeah so 
you know, that was so long ago that <laughs> yeah, no one remembers know, that. No one remembers that, or the, you know, the penalties weren't as severe. But uh, that's sort of my take on it. Heat, heat of the moment, guy being an idiot, but I think it was part of much more of a systemic problem with the Cleveland organization. Freddie Kitchens is such a goner. Um, it, you know, and if they had lost that game, maybe he would have been gone already. And that was not a fun game to watch. We both lost that pick. That was just a terrible football game. Yes, very much. Um, we, there's not much to talk about there either that the, uh, Steelers had all their chances, uh, to, to come back because the Browns couldn't put them away because the Browns are trash. Um, and Mason Rudolph is even bigger trash because he threw four interceptions as he kept trying to lead the Steelers back and kept failing miserably. Uh, so that was the story of the actual game that no one, absolutely nobody remembers or talks about because of the aftermath of what happened uh, at the end of that game. Um, I definitely uh, want to emphasize the point that you made of Mason Rudolph has already missed time this year with a very ugly concussion. Uh, and so this as ugly as this incident was Thursday night could have been worse because you hit him in the right place and you don't have him turn around with his hands in the air going, Hey, wait, did you just see me get hit in the head right there? Um, you get hit the right way and it could be dumplings and you could have a guy staggering around or knocked cold, you know, KTFO right there on the screen for everybody to see. And it could have been a much, much, much more horrific scene than it actually was, which it was horrific enough because that's that's what took it over the top was the, the, the helmet swing. Uh, it was just a regular old football fight, like you said uh, before that. It was just a lot of frustrations, two teams that don't like each other, two division rivals. Um, and then it escalates, and that that's the whoa moment that I had the same reaction that I'm sure everyone else watching had when it happened was, and it, the only difference was my – uh, reaction wasn't as it happened. It was the next morning because I was tired and went to bed and picked it up the next morning and didn't know what happened uh, when I picked it up. I was well, I uh, stopped at the fourth quarter and went to sleep and came back and started back up at the fourth quarter, not knowing what the uh, what was about to happen. And you just see the the brawl and you see the frustration and all of a sudden you see the helmet get ripped off and uh, slung at the, the the head of the man that he took it off of. Uh, and it's like, whoa, that's just nothing you'd ever seen before. That that was next level. And that took everything, you know, to, to a whole nother level. So, yeah, the punishment was absolutely correct. To the, and, and I'm shocked. I got to admit that I'm shocked that Miles Garrett got suspended. Uh, I guess they called it indefinitely, but it's basically, from all reports, the rest of the season at least. And, you know, we'll, we'll – get back together at uh, the beginning of next year and, and figure everything out from there. Um, that's a big, big ass punishment. And I'm absolutely have no problem with it. I'm just shocked that the NFL actually went there because that's uh, to take basically a half a season away from, and, and the other part that makes it shocking is from a star player. Miles Garrett is not some bum. He's a, a very important piece of the, of the Cleveland Browns defense, arguably the most important piece of a of a team that's legitimately trying to contend for a playoff spot and to level that kind of punishment on a, a player. I, he's not Ray Lewis. He's not a, a major make a star defensive player. He's not Troy Palomalu or, you know, somebody that you can recognize instantly, but he's a big time player already uh, in, in his rookie year. And to, to level that kind of, of punishment shows how seriously 
the NFL took uh, the actions and, and they should take it seriously because it was a very, very ugly incident. A um, couple other points that I wanted to make about it, and we don't have to belabor the, the whole thing, but I definitely need to point out um, the the real punishment or the real uh, uh, instigation for this whole incident. To me, it's not even about it, – it's not necessarily about Miles Garrett losing his cool, although he did, and he, and he did a terrible, terrible thing. It's not even about – what a lot of people wanted to point to, which is Mason Rudolph pushing Miles Garrett in the face and twisting his face mask around, which seemed to tee off Miles Garrett and send him uh, into orbit and make him do you what see, he did to Miles Garrett. A lot of, you see a lot of NFL fights, though, where guys grab the face mask of the other player. And you don't see any of them respond by taking the other player's helmet, ripping it off, and beating him with it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you never see that. You are correct, it's not even a it's not even about that. Here's where the real provocation for all of that comes from. Your favorite coach, Freddie Kitchens, mm-hmm. and and his defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Remember the game situation at the time that this is happening. We're at the end of the game. Game's over. The game's over. The Steelers are down two possessions, driving way back, nowhere near the goal line, with seconds left in the game. There is 0% chance that the Steelers are going to win this game. What are the Cleveland Browns doing on defense? They're still blitzing. Why are you still blitzing up two scores with seconds left in the game? They blitzed Mason Rudolph right before the, the play that, uh, that set everything off, and they blitzed again on that play. Now, Miles Garrett is a pass rusher. He's not necessarily blitzing, but he comes in at the end of the blitz and takes Mason uh, Rudolph down and sort of gives him business down there and honestly probably should have been bagged for a late hit on the play because the ball was already gone by the time he gives Mason Rudolph down. So this is why Mason Rudolph is so pissed at this point because he's he's under fire, he's under siege, he's already had a shit night with four picks and they're still blitzing and coming at him and now he gets rid of the ball and Mason Ru- and uh, Miles Garrett decides to land on him um, and, and put his face in his, in his face mask and may have been talking some shit. I don't know. But that's what got Mason Rudolph so pissed off, which is why he reacts and puts his hand up to Miles Garrett's face like, hey, get off me, man. The game's over. What are you doing? And, and that's Miles Garrett into a tizzy. That's the whole provocation to me is why is Freddie Kitchens and Steve Wilkes calling blitzes up two possessions with seconds left in the game? One can argue that that's the Steelers' fault for still throwing. The Steelers could have just ran the ball and, and ran the clock out, and fine. I guess that's possible, or, or uh, I'll listen to that argument as well. But that doesn't mean that just because they drop back the pass, all right, Katie, bar the door. Everybody go get him. Let's call blitzes and try to kill the quarterback. That, that That's a coach and a franchise and a team doesn't know how to win uh, and, and has no history of winning and has no idea how to react when they're up game that they're going to clearly win and there's no way that the team is going to, to come back and beat them. Uh, so that is the fault of to me, Freddie Kitchens uh, and the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Uh, not to excuse anything at all that Miles Garrett did. Of course, it's bad and wrong and stupid. And he got the, the correct punishment that he deserved. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about is the uh, the, the screaming from some people of, oh, my God, I can't believe 
Mason Rudolph isn't going to get some sort of suspension or punishment for inciting this whole fracas uh, with the pushing of, of the face mask that he did to, to set Miles Garrett off. Yeah. And unfortunately, all of those people that were saying that happened to uh, be of a certain uh, racial persuasion. And that just, that, that really made me angry. Um, and maybe it's my fault for watching ESPN because a lot of these guys were on ESPN oh, the, 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 on Friday, the day after uh, it happened yesterday. Yeah. But just, just because you're black and on ESPN doesn't mean you have to be an Uncle Tom. All right. I'm just going to come right out and say it. You don't have to, to run and scream that the black guys are always getting uh, punished and the white guys are always uh, getting away with something. This was not that. There's plenty of racism out there. You don't have to point to this act or anything else to say, well, this was, why is Miles Garrett not being, uh, why is Miles Garrett being punished and Mason Rudolph not being punished? Mason <laughs> Rudolph is the one that, that really, Mason Rudolph pushed a guy in the face mask, even take someone's helmet off and beat him in the head with it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, oh, <laughs> that made me so mad. So any, any time, Anytime anybody wants to bring up a, a, a put try to take something like anything and put a racial component on it, you always I always ask the question. I don't know if it always gets asked, but I always ask the question: If the reverse were true, what would have happened? So if we're watching. I mean, I don't want to make fun of any organizations here, but if we're watching, you know, because these aren't joke franchises like the Cleveland Browns, but if let's say we're watching the, I don't know, the the Texans and the Ravens and J.J. Watt rips off Lamar Jackson's helmet and beats him with it, I got a feeling J.J. Watt's getting suspended for the rest of the season. Ding, ding, ding. I completely Thank agree you. with you. So if if the reverse can be true in a situation – I don't really think it's able to, this this was this was football players having a fight. This wasn't white guys and black guys. This was joke organization versus a classy organization and a joke organization not able to deal with prosperity and realizing that they were beating a team they hadn't beaten in 5 years. They don't know how to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and they were basically just trying to you know they they were pushing them around. They were being bullies. They were being thugs, whatever you want to call it. They were doing that to the Steelers all game long. And we had already seen Demarius Randall uh, head oh, up one of the Steelers too. receivers and get ejected in that very same game. Yeah. And you, that's why I'm talking about you. You have a team that you're only what, nine games in into your schedule and you've already had four players ejected for cheap shots and – you're just, you know, penalty riddled team. And then you have a guy rip off the helmet of a quarterback and beat him over the head with it. Yeah. I don't think that there's any racial component to that. It really isn't. And it wasn't just the ESPN though. If Mason Rudolph was black, it would be the same result. If it was Miles Garrett beating Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson over the head, he's done for the year. Yeah. So no, I did the same yeah, you did. I, 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 I imagine I imagine TJ Watt ripping the helmet off of Pat Mahomes and like okay. yeah, yeah. TJ Watt will be thrown out of, out of the league for, go, for a year. Yeah. Go have a seat. 
I did yeah. think it was cute that the NFL suspended Garrett for the rest of the season and the playoffs. <laughs> like you guys are making the playoffs now. <laughs> like we. Uh, well, you know, you you, you got to make it fair. You got to make it seem like well, we just in case. Just, look, this league just had a, a team in in the Buffalo Bills make the playoffs while trying to not make the playoffs. So anything can happen. You you want to you want to have the contingency just in case. You know what I mean? Yeah, just in case, just in case the Cleveland Browns go on some miracle streak here. Now that they're minus their one of their best defensive players and another one of their defensive players, and, you know, and and basically now have the attention of everybody in the league for how cheap and dirty they are. Um, sure, yeah. well, we'll see if they can go on a run. Maybe they'll rally around. No, the the, the Cleveland's. I, I was not too impressed with either team in that game, and I know that the Steelers had crept up into the playoff discussion. Did, did that look like a playoff team to you? Who boy had no, no, they didn't. So uh, yeah, I think we like a playoff team, you know, and I had just, I had just taken the Browns the week before and they barely beat Buffalo. And I, my feeling going into the game was that Cleveland pretty much had used up all of their goodwill and all of their energy in beating a real tough Buffalo team. And that they were the joke organization and Pittsburgh would come in and outclass them. But Pittsburgh was just God awful. So yeah, jumping backwards in the, uh, in the, in Sherman's way back machine to week 10, as, as I continue to show my age, uh, no one knows what I'm talking about when I say the Sherman's I way do. back machine. I get the Mr. Oh. Mr. Peabody reference there. Yeah. Google it kids. Uh, the Browns have however many chances was it? Was it nine or 10 Chances inside the five yard line in the first half and got zero points against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah, in, I believe at one point ten. they had run. I believe at one point they had run twelve plays inside the five yard line and gotten, I believe, three points. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how they got away with that and still got the win uh, and, and the cover. Uh, Rashard Higgins was the uh, the star of that one to to give you that victory. I, I had no idea. My how only that one. <laughs> I was like, Brown still ain't shit, and they and and they got the win uh, Thursday night, and I still think don't think they're shit. And nobody's um, talking about the football game. No, not at all. Um, and I had a problem with the the Browns win over the Bills anyway because I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills, and I want to criticize them for relying so much on Project Josh Allen. Uh, in, in, in the passing game, uh, the man has not proved. I don't know what he's done to make the Bills think that he needs to be sent out there and try to win the game with an arm. But 41 throws by Josh Allen in that game and, and 20 runs by the Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry. That's unacceptable. You cannot do that if you're the Buffalo Bills with a project at quarterback. He's just not that good. And I think that's a big key for why Buffalo lost that game. Although – they had the lead late. I mean, they did. I understand. So Buffalo uh, had done their Buffalo best and did what they've done all season long, and they had the win in hand with not a lot of time left, and they, they let Cleveland beat them. Uh, the def- uh, Buffalo has opened up a weakness to the run. Um, it, and, and, and maybe it's just because their secondary we know is is world class that the the back end of that Buffalo defense is so good that the teams just 
run because they have to, but teams have been able to run on Buffalo these last few weeks. I don't know if that's something that they plan on getting fixed, um, but we'll see. It could be what ends up doing them in here. Yeah, Nick Chubb and, and has been unbelievable this season. Yeah. So uh, the fact <clears throat> the fact that the Browns run for a buck forty seven on Buffalo, honestly, that part I, I wasn't so surprised by. Uh, it was coming back on the other end and, and Buffalo trying to win the game on the arm of a project. And to your point, they were going to get away with it and they were going to do it, um, except for Rashard Higgins. So. Yeah, that was that was your pick. That was the one that you that you got over me. So good good job out of you. Well, it wasn't the only one I should have had over you. There were a couple others I kind of got. I got I got hosed on a couple, but that's okay. It, it, when I when you when you're just when, when when it's not going for you, nothing's going for you. You know how it is. You've had a really bad luck year. I'll uh, I, I can't possibly say that I'm just stomping on you or I've, I've run away these last few weeks because of my geniusness or anything like that. You've had some really, uh, really bad breaks uh, go your way. That Yeah, the Green Bay game uh, that I, I thought that was what you were referencing when you texted me. Hang on, let me uh, make sure I uh, get the direct quote here uh, of your text that you sent me uh, because I wasn't, I was actually asleep. That's how tired I was Sunday, uh, at the time that you sent that text. And so I wake up at yeah, yeah, I was. I slept, I laid down at five and woke up at eight, and I get up to a text that you said, "Wow, I give up," and I, I didn't think it was about life. I didn't think you were sending a suicide note or anything like that. I figured it was uh, something football related. And when I saw the, the highlights uh, of what what had happened in all the games, and I saw how Green Bay managed to cover uh, against the Carolina Panthers, despite. Christian McCaffrey having the ball at the what, half inch line, the one millimeter uh, line, apparently, <laughs> according to the officials who did not let him have that touchdown. And uh, yeah, right <sighs> that there. would have covered for me. That's, that's, that's it. That's my cover. Right I didn't there. need him to yeah. get the two point conversion. I just needed right. the six and it's 24, 22. And I was completely right about the Carolina game plan. And they, they, again, they didn't cover the number, but they, they did hang around. I don't think that the Packers absolutely annihilated them. Carolina did it on the road exactly what I expected them to do. And, yeah, apparently Christian McCaffrey was one millimeter short of the goal line, I, I guess. Evidently. Uh, but, yeah, you, yeah, that you was sort of because that, that was, you know, because that's that point where I win that pick and I'm only, like, what two behind you for the week or you know it makes a difference right swings you from I five mean, wins a, to six and puts me from nine wins to eight that's a four game swing yeah basically right there or two game swing additional but it gives you four games up on me instead of two two i could live with you know and i'm like oh i got this one they're going on this drive they're right down there at the goal line they're going for it and yeah we saw what happened it's part of a very, very strange week 10 that it completely, again, gets overshadowed by the events of Thursday night. But yeah. uh, in that, in that particular game, you're going to uh, escape with, with that cup, co- uh, with that cover and deserve to, because Aaron Rodgers threw zero touchdowns in that game, yeah. got outgunned by Kyle Allen of all people. Um, and, and green Bay covers thanks to that uh, Carolina fail of apparent failure at the goal line. Um, yeah, that that 
I, I, I guess that that was the one that broke your spirit. That was my guess, and then and, and that, that was, was the backbreaker that. because that's the that's that's where I go from. All of a sudden, I'm giving you back. I'm giving you four games um, on that where I'm just like, hey, I'm I'm good. I'm golden. I'm gonna just lose the two games to you and you know and survive. And that yeah, that one that was the backbreaker. Yeah. So you had your uh, wacky just because week. You had a bunch of picks that you were just kind of off the cuff and going just because. So I did make sure to take note of that. Uh, Cincinnati was one of those, the uh, the, the 0-8 Bengals who turned into the 0-9 Bengals uh, because Baltimore just completely stomped them, which was my lock Which of the is week. okay, which is good. And uh, New Orleans was a part of that, uh, that you just uh, – you had Drew Brees, uh, you know, making his second start. And, and you had Atlanta just looking like crap, and, and we deemed them the mail-it-in team. So, yeah, just because they, they should cover two touchdowns, even though uh, it's a division game and they always play tight. But you said, that eh, just because Atlanta's so bad, go with New Orleans and cover 13-and-a-half. And New Orleans decided to lose the game outright and not score any touchdowns this of their was, own. This That was as bad as the Buffalo win in Minnesota last year. <laughs> where, you know, where the Bills were – Double digit, seven, sixteen, seventeen point underdogs, and went up to the went up to Minnesota and just blew them out. You know, yeah, yeah. This was as this was as bad. This, from a spread standpoint, to how far the other way it ended up going, was one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset of the year, with the Falcons whooping. I mean, laying it to the Saints, a team they had no business hanging with. And, you know, we can say rivalry game and they were clearly up for it. And maybe the Saints just expected to show up and roll these guys. But and that did not happen, which and I just kept thinking because I knew I, that pick was toast pretty early on because Atlanta was up early. Um, I kept thinking back to you how frustrating it must have been for you watching that result going, oh, yeah, these were the guys <laughs> I picked to go to the Super Bowl. Exactly. I, I called it a uh, a last hurrah for Dan Quinn because the, fi- the Falcons defense finally played the way that he's wanted them to play. They got to Breeze with speed. They got to the receivers that Breeze was trying to hit with speed. They really were flying all around and covering everything the Saints were trying to do. Uh, that was definitely a, a sort of a tribute uh, to, to Dan Quinn. That was a, a division foe type of effort that, that we see every now and then that a team that has no business competing with another team, but because they're division rivals, they get up for it and, and they know the, the other tricks uh, that the other team has. And yeah, the Falcons had the answer for everything the Saints tried to do and just snuffed it out and shut it down. And, and uh, what a, what a great last tribute to Dan Quinn as he goes out uh, and, and still destined to be fired and thrown out on his ass at the end of the year. <laughs> and, and, a, and a nice little parting gift to the Saints who seemed uh, to be rolling and seem to have that inside track on home field. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously San Francisco, which we both predicted that the Seahawks win on Monday night. So at least I finished the week with a win um, in a great game, but we both were on board with Seattle. I, I'm pretty sure we both had them to win, not just cover. We did. Um, so we, we had them on the money line just as well as we had the six and a half and we thought the six and a half was a gift. So at least we saw that one, right. Cause you just knew that Pete Carroll and there he is running off the field going, woo, you know, just like we said he would. Um, 
yeah, we, we, we just, you just knew that that's Seattle's DNA and Russell Wilson's DNA to go do, you know, shocking things in prime time. And they go and beat the undefeated 49ers and yeah. And now have an almost like an inside track on a division that we thought was San Francisco's to lose. And even though Seattle is the half game back in the division, now they have that win over the 49ers, and uh, very interesting. Right, when they match up again, um, yeah. San Francisco's going to have to take that win back, or else uh, the Seahawks are going to pretty much be in complete control there. Yeah, we uh, we both had that one money. I, the money line thing was a fluke, I'll admit. When you get into overtime and you're all the way down to the end of the game and the last play of the game, uh, San Fran had their chances. They They could have won that game at any point. They they just weren't able to put it together and, and take it. Um, I thought the key moment was going to be for that game in the third quarter when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo started uh, doing some, some ghost-type things because uh, Seattle uh, came back and took the lead in the third quarter, and it was time for San Fran to respond, and Garoppolo uh, got, was getting hit around by, by some of the uh, – uh, Seahawks defenders, uh, Jadevian Clowney specifically was having himself a hell of a night. Um, he was, it seemed like he was just kind of frightening Garoppolo into, into turfing some balls and just throwing it away. Um, and, and even when they were getting some throws connection, some connections, they were getting erased by some penalties. Um, and then Clowney had a strip of Garoppolo, uh, and Puna Ford recovers. And it looked like Jimmy was seeing some ghosts out there at that point, And, uh, Seattle takes the lead. On, uh, on that possession and goes up 21 to 10 uh, or extends their lead. And I thought that was going to be it. And the fact that uh, San Fran even came back to tie the game is actually, uh, I, I, it was a hell of a game. And I, like I said, I thought the Niners were done for, but, but they were able to put it back t- together and, and uh, get back in and enforce overtime. Uh, but of course, at, at that point, the spread is is taken care of when when they force overtime because they were six and a half point favorites. Right. And no way you can, you can lose that six. one. Yeah. yeah. So we were good as far as that goes. But and then you uh, have the surprising first overtime drive that ends in the pick. Yeah. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh boy, like Russell Wilson got him all the way wow. down, and yeah, you think he's going to put him in the end zone and lost an interception right there uh, for for Dre Greenlaw. Uh, yeah, that was that was shocking. That was a shocking tournament because uh, at that moment, of course, the uh, the booth is, is is busy filleting Russell Wilson and giving him the MVP award uh, because of that great drive. And look at how he's going to polish this off. And he's going to go all the way in the end zone. And uh, right at the moment that they're presenting him the award, basically up there in the in the booth uh, is when he lost that interception. It's like, ooh, that's a plot twist. <laughs> Did not see that coming. Right. Um, but then San Francisco is unable to do anything with it. And then, uh, and then we end up with my favorite, the field goal that saves us all from a tie. Yes. <laughs> with no time left on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that, that, if that's a miss, that's a tie and how fitting would that have been, but still a cover. Yeah. The, again, San Fran had chances. Garoppolo had chances in overtime, uh-huh. but, but he was still throwing balls up and, and, getting him tipped and almost picked off. He, 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 he tried to lose that game so hard. He finally did. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Seattle, uh, you, like, like we said, we knew that what they were going to do. We knew they were going to come out 
and be right there the whole game and be in San Fran's face. Again, the 49ers haven't played just like the uh, the Patriots haven't played too many good teams in the first half of the year. So they, they had this coming. They had, you know, teams that are much tougher coming up on their schedule. And we, we both knew it. We both, we both knew this was going to be their first L. We didn't know it was going to happen quite this way, but, right. but that's what wound up happening. Um, I guess we should give uh, a small golf clap to the best worst against the spread team in in pro football maybe ever. The Miami Dolphins now. You are, wanted to lock up the fish. I almost did. I <laughs> I should have too. Yeah. Um, five in a row. Five in a row for the Miami Dolphins. Um, not wins but covers and you know, as a show where we pick with the spread, that is almost unbelievable for a team as bereft of talent as the Miami dolphins, that they continue to cover these numbers and now have two wins. Yeah. We kind of should have seen it coming because the spreads were getting so comically large and just ridiculous. As, as the weeks went on, it they were getting bigger and bigger. We were, Wondering of how big they were going to get. We we're going to see a, a 24 point spread, a 25 point spread before the year was over. And yeah, they were getting uh, uh, some of the teams that they were double digit underdogs against that we laughed at at the time. Like the, the were they double digits against the Jets? Or uh, I don't think it was, I don't think they were double digits against the Jets, but there were some teams that they were double digit underdogs. We're like, oh, come on. Uh, 17 point dogs at uh, Buffalo. Uh, which they, of course, they covered uh, back in week seven. Uh, and I did not have that one. You were the one that were like, oh, come on, 17 for the bill? No. Uh, so you were, you were on that. Um, and let's see, week eight was uh, – they uh, trying to find – oh, that was the Monday nighter against Pittsburgh, 14 against Pittsburgh, and they wind up losing by 13. Uh, yeah. And, when you think about it now, 14-point dogs to the Pittsburgh Steelers, that outfit, <laughs> that, that's a joke. Right. So this is one of those where how much of the Dolphins spreads have just been off of those first two terrible losses, that blowout loss in week one against Baltimore, and then the next week, I believe, you know, and then they had the Patriots blow them out, and then the Cowboys covered late, late against them in a game that they had covered. I mean, the Dolphins basically – They'd probably be eight and one against the spread if games ended with five minutes. You know, if games were fifty-five minutes instead of sixty minutes long, because you had a couple of teams only get that cover like three minutes to go in the game. You know, Dallas needed a late touchdown to get the cover. Uh, I think New England covered extremely late, and here they are now five in a row, and a team you know, they just beat the Colts again. I should have locked that up because the Colts' record absent. T.Y. Hilton, and then absent Jake Brisket, I that just that one screamed at me, and of course I didn't lock it up. I locked up the yeah. Chiefs because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 hilarious to think about and laugh at now that Brian Hoyer was a ten and a half point favorite against the Dolphins last week with no T.Y. Yeah. Hilton. Brian Hoyer. Yeah, that, that was that, and that if. if if you would have got the money line on that one, that that makes your year. If you if you pop that one, however much uh, the money line was for the Dolphins, now, I don't know who would have the guts to put the the money line on them. But if you're gonna do it uh, against 
Brian Hoyer, that's a good time to pick uh, to pick the Dolphins to win straight up. That would that would have been a good call out of somebody. I didn't make that call, but we did both make the point spread call. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Yeah, that, so in a week that I didn't have many – the rest of the week I guess you could talk about because I sucked. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Um, I, I did tweet out uh, at, at, at Football Fan Rush Radio. We were kind of discussing about the uh, the Bears and the Lions before that game got started, and all I tweeted at them was, look, if Jeff Driscoll wins, we, we riot. Yeah, because no. if you can't, as bad as Chicago's been playing, if you can't beat Detroit with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, then that's just as rock bottom as it gets. And damn it, if the Bears did not almost let they Jeff did Driscoll try. come back and beat them, they tried. They, they tried. They really did. Yeah, uh, uh, Detroit had the ball with opportunities. Yeah, that uh, there's, a, I guess, a bit of an investigation going into how. Uh, Matthew Stafford went from uh, questionable to out when there's apparently players on his own team that were like, oh, yeah, we knew he wasn't going to play. So there's because that spread, as as we know, picking that game on Saturday night was still only uh, Chicago minus three because it was still up in the air about uh, about Stafford. And then the next morning when it's uh, when it becomes Jeff Driscoll, then all of a sudden it's a six and a half point number, which which uh, fortunately, either way, we still had a cover at three or at six and a half. Um, right. But because of the seven point many, win. See yeah. many instances where it doesn't happen that way. They could have easily won that game by only four. Right. I will be, I will be very quick to point out that um, ass clown learned from the best when it comes to um, injury report manipulation. So nobody <laughs> has been better at that over the years than Bill Belichick, the master so the student clearly took some notes from the master, and hey, good good for Ass Clown. Boy, howdy. Well, you think having a 37-year-old? We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> it's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. So we got that coming up next. If if you really have learned all the lessons from, from Coach Belichick, then – uh, the next thing uh, Matt Patricia will be saying, well, he's just uh, whatever the next opponent. Uh, we're on to Dallas. We're on to Dallas yep. this week. We're not thinking about Matt Stafford. We're, we're, just, we're just on to Dallas right now. Right. Um, I, I, I guess uh, do we have a lot more about that game since, I mean, you're, I didn't watch much of that game. So no. I know you're, the, you're the Bears guy. Okay. Um, we need to talk about the absolute clusterfuck that is the AFC South because your, your Tennessee Titans down there, Beat Pat Mahomes coming back uh, from injury. I I, I didn't get a chance this week to tweet it out, and I wanted to send out a tweet um, that was basically something. I'll say it on the show now, which was basically along the lines of, hey, anybody wondering how Matt Moore and Teddy Bridgewater are feeling this week? (laughs) (laughs) After the Chiefs and the uh, Saints both lose, um, you know? Um, just thought that was a little, just a thought I had this last week because, oh, Mahomes came back and this is going to be easy. And the Chiefs give up 35 points to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Oh, my God. Well, look, this that's also part of the very weird week 10 because Kansas City got off 550 yards of offense. They didn't lose because Pat Mahomes came back and was was sore or uh, no, was rusty right. or anything like that. 
he came back to balling immediately. Like, I'm back, and, and here it is. I'm going to take it out and show it to you. I'm all the way back. They still managed that, to lose that, that game. That jump throw touchdown he made <laughs> he, was – how do you do that? I mean, he <laughs> threw the ball. He basically jumped to buy himself an extra half a second so that he could then throw a 30-yard laser beam for a touchdown. And then the guy catches it perfectly in stride. It wasn't like it was a wide-open receiver. He had to hit him in stride. Because the guy was, you know, there was a defender right behind him. And, yeah, I've, I've, Patrick Mahomes continues to do things every week that you've never seen before. He hit Miko Harmon in stride, who then turned on the Jets and put on about the fastest sprint I think I've ever seen. Yes. Because he just yeah, that ran was, away that was, from everybody. I remember the year Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, that that was like the Taylor Gabriel special. Like, they, uh, like Ryan used to throw a – you know, a quick like a quick out to Taylor Gabriel, who would just suddenly be 50 yards down the field running through the defense, and that, that's all I could think of was that kind of you know, uh, that kind of quickness. Yeah, Hardman, Nicole Hardman, who? Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm when they bad. put the clock on him, they put the speedometer on him. I think they had him at 21 miles an hour. That's humping it right there. I mean, he's speeding in a school zone right there. Right. <laughs> So it wasn't about the, the the Kansas City offense. It's it's perfectly fine. Uh, it was about the defense giving it back up for the Titans, but the Chiefs still had it at the end. This is on Andy Reid. And we talk about Andy Reid, and we give him the love and the praise, and I call him one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football, and that's still true. However, he lost this game. He He just did. They have third and two. They've been running, and they, they have the lead uh, under two minutes to go, and they get to third and two, and you know how I am about short-yarded situations. I want you to run the ball. I want you to keep running the ball, and they're in field goal range. If you run it and you, and you get stuffed and you lose maybe a yard, you still got a decent field goal. You're actually close enough where if you run it and get maybe maybe you gain a yard but you still get stopped, just go for it again because if you get a, a first down, it's over, right? They don't. They not only do they not run it on third and two, they roll Pat Mahomes out to the right looking for a tight end screen that wasn't there, so he winds up like running out of bounds or something like that, and, and he he lost a significant amount of yardage. The field goal that much more difficult, and it winds up uh, getting flubbed. And, and it, it may have been flubbed anyway. That was a weird uh, – that was, a, that was part a, of a very weekend, strange field goal. Because that also, by the way, was the field goal that would have given me my cover and my lock. Mm. So, yeah, it was all you right there. You don't need to mention that. <laughs> but the, the holder apparently wasn't ready. They, they snapped uh, it and the holder wasn't, yeah. wasn't ready. So he winds up uh, getting a surprise in his lap and, and panics and throws the ball away to nobody for intentional grounding. Yeah, intentional grounding, yeah, even better. On the on the holder, uh, in the great field position, which they go on and, and get the touchdown. So lots of fluky happenings in that game. Yeah. You had the flub field goal, the last field goal that Kansas City had at uh, at the end afterwards. They still had a chance to come back and tie the game and, and force overtime. They get that field goal blocked. Uh, and in the middle yeah. of all that, you know, before that happens, uh, Derrick Henry just randomly wakes up for one of those Derrick Henry games. And that's really what uh, put the Titans back in, in position to, to win that game. Uh, 
And the case, Kansas City defense just kind of shut down and let Henry do whatever he wanted to do. So it, it was it was just strange. It was part of the strangeness. Uh, the, the Chiefs didn't absolutely. Uh, I know it's you, you see a six point favorite going down and losing thirty five thirty two, and you go, oh God, they must have choked. They really the, the Chiefs kind of had that game. They they really had many different ways they could have won that game, and, and they could have covered it with that field goal. Uh, that wound up getting flubbed, but th- that's on Andy Reid to me. You, you run the ball on third and two, and you're not. It's not like you're running badly or anything. You just, uh, but but he, he got too cute. He got he got cute, and he got a little too fancy. They, I think they ran for what 97 yards as a team on the day, which is not bad at all. Uh, third and two, run the ball. It's two yeah. fucking yards. Just. Uh. I know how I am about short yarded situations. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm the same way with teams at the goal line. They get to the one yard line and throw four fade routes. Your favorite, the fade route. <laughs> oh. Um, I, I, here's a, here's an interesting question for you. Yes. Is, is Dak Prescott the new Kirk Cousins? Well, he, he had himself quite a game in a in a losing effort. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> against the uh, against Kirk Cousins. Uh, and the Vikings. Yeah, that was uh, that was another weird one because uh, Dallas didn't really lose by you know getting outclassed or or really completely outplayed. Dak Prescott had had himself a hell of a game. Uh, yeah. Very strangely, the Cowboys lost in a way they normally don't lose. They couldn't run the ball. Zeke Elliott just got completely bottled up. Uh, right. It so was, the, was uh, that game planning? I mean, were the Vikings just like you know what? we're going to just, we're not going to let them run the ball down our throats and we're just going to sell out on the run. And they opened up things for Prescott and you kind of saw the Cowboys refuse to go away from the run to their detriment. Because every time, every other time that they've uh, just kept staying with the run and kept hammering and hammering, the other team wore down and eventually they broke through and and did what they wanted to do on the ground. And, And the Vikings did not break down in this game. I, I honestly watching it, I I wanted as much as I want to give the Vikings credit for staying in there and hammering, and they of course deserve some credit. But I actually think this is a, a Cowboys offensive line situation. I've seen them playing a little worse and worse as the season's gone on. They're they're beat up. I don't know uh, if they're really willing to admit it or, or uh, talk much about it, but they're not playing the way the, the offensive line is not playing the way they they used to, they usually play. Usually, they, you see them. Um, making all these runs where they get out in front and, and there's pulling guards and there's guys downfield blocking and taking the other team and, and shoving them 10 yards backwards. And they're not doing that right now. And as great as Zeke Elliott is and as hard as he runs, if the offensive line isn't blocking the way they're supposed to, and there's men on the other side, just waiting for him every time he touches the ball, he didn't have a chance. It's not like Zeke Elliott had holes and he was missing. He never had a chance. I was uh, shocked to hear on the the Pro Football Focus podcast that it was the first game in in Zeke's career in, in which he had zero first down runs. When you think about how many yards per per uh, per carry that he averages on his career, it's got to be around five somewhere in that neighborhood. And to think that he never ever in this game managed to get a run that resulted in a first down that is just some shutdown shit. And the Vikings are are a really good defensive team. But when the Cowboys offensive line is doing what they're supposed to do, I don't think any team can stop Ezekiel Elliott and shut him out for, for zero first downs for a whole game. I think that's on the offensive line. I think they're hurt. 
Okay, well, that's a that's an interesting supposition, and but that you know Dallas now um, falls into some interesting uh, you know playoff seating there because they got the Eagles kind of nipping on their heels right now, and as of right now, and you know we, I don't think either one of us expect the Seahawks or the Vikings um, or the Niners, any of those teams right now, we don't see one of those teams just falling completely on their face. The NFC East looks like a one-team playoff team, you know, one playoff team. They're going to get the winner in, and that's probably it. So that's an interesting race uh, as we go down to the wire here. And, and and who's impressed by either one of those teams right now? Right. It's, it's the – Cowboys and Eagles, and they both have very much uh, a lot of flaws, and you, yes. you can you can see the weaknesses on both teams. But that's the other part that the Cowboys should really feel bad about losing that game to the Vikings. You can't lose a Dak game. Dak is only good for three or four of these really great games a year, and you just lost a Dak game. You can't do that, man. That's he's he's only good for so many. Uh, yeah, this, that should have been a, that should have been a thirty-seven twenty-four win when you have a right. game out of Dak Prescott like that, but when you get nothing out of the running game, right. and uh, clearly Dallas is not, game. yeah. We're used to Dallas being one dimensional and able way. to succeed. And, but, but you, generally a team that's one dimensional, just passing the football, unless you're new England or Kansas city, you're not going to win a lot of games. And the Cowboys are not built like that. They're, they're built to right. grind opponents out by, by running and, and controlling the clock. Um, so all this, this yardage and, and aerial attacking that the deck was doing, that's great, but you're still not controlling uh, the line of scrimmage. You're still not controlling the clock and you're letting the Vikings come out there and, and wear your defense down uh, through the air and on the ground um, and, and do what they're, what, what, what they come to do. Basically the Vikings played the Cowboys sort of game plan and, and played the game better than the bike than the, than the Cowboys did. So yeah, another that was a that was a very interesting. It was a very weird week. I, I don't think very. that. Yeah, I don't think either one of us would are are shy about saying the fact that the man the results were just so weird. They were. I I go nine and four against the spread, but I almost feel like well, did I should I have did I deserve to with some of these these crazy outcomes? Uh, again, the Falcons. Who who the hell saw that coming? I've said you had I made the that cover. Pick. I don't think you had them just straight up winning the game. I honestly didn't believe they were going to cover. I said when I made the pick that I was doing it out of uh, <laughs> love for my Falcons and showing them one last <laughs> bit of respect. I didn't know they were going to turn in that kind of effort. Come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just go out there and just whip them. Yeah, did not see that at all. The the, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, how about getting cute on that one? Four and a half point dogs, and they lose to Tampa by three in a in a uh, wild one. You know that's what I mean. Nothing nothing went right. The the, the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah, well, this is you know sometimes we got to people have to remember we we pick them all. <laughs> how about we, the we Jets pick every game, coming through and unfortunately for every that? Seattle, San Francisco, and Minnesota, Dallas, we get. Jets Giants and we <laughs> yeah. get and those wins count just the same as the wins that are garbage and the games that we just don't care about um yeah like like Arizona Tampa I mean uh right you know although Arizona was uh 
up, up until the last two minutes of that game, Arizona was in line to win that game. They were. You know, Kyler Murray continues to put up really good numbers. Um, you know, and Jameis Winston, though, also, uh, even though he, once again, you know, two more interceptions for Jameis Winston, who is so in need of a good nickname, um, <laughs> still put up a lot of yards. I mean, that was that was just – that was not a lot of defense played in that Arizona-Tampa game. But, hey, we pick them all. That's exactly the kind of output and, you know, what you expect from two bad teams, two, two bad defensive teams with – pretty good offenses that that's what you get yeah one that we both lost uh the, no one was thinking about the Steelers uh win in week 10 after Thursday night but they won in week 10 over the the LA Rams uh I, I picked that game I picked the Rams my reasoning was that they're good at protecting Jared Goff this year their their offensive line had been rating very good and being graded very well that turned around real quick uh one for 15 on third down was, was Jared Goff in that game. Yeah. And the, the Steelers D really got after him. I didn't know Goff had a, had a nickname. I didn't know he was uh, one of these efforts is known as a road golf game. Apparently uh, he's about as bad or worse than Kirk Cousins. When you talk about home versus road splits, uh, this was, oh. this is apparently this is road golf and road golf sucks. I know that that's crept up this year, especially but it's the Steelers. Oh, no. Nope. And there are the Rams who just could not get right on the road against the great Mason Rudolph, um, <laughs> who just threw four picks to the Cleveland Browns on Thursday. This is this is, yeah. this is is what drives you nuts. This is how yeah. picking them all will drive you insane. And the, uh, the, the Baltimore block that I got uh, against Cincinnati – they could have kept scoring in that game. That's yeah. how dominant they were. They were no. yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson was just killing them. And that run, man, yeah, how Jackson, about that one? Lamar Jackson is this generation's Michael Vick. Is there any doubt? Man, that was a video game run, just like Vick. He's yeah. a right-handed Michael Vick. That's the kind of runs that we would have seen from Michael Vick in, in his prime. And that that is exactly what we would have seen. I think that Michael Vick, uh, this might be like hot take. I think Michael Vick was a better thrower of the football. Maybe that's not a hot take. Um, than Lamar is, but man, both of them on the ground. Uh, yeah, this is people who didn't, you know, people who are right now turning 20, right. Who didn't really grow up watching you know, what we saw to Michael Vick in his prime, you're getting that right now. So appreciate it. Yeah. You don't do hot takes. You're just calling it uh, like Michael Vick, because that's what it reminds you of. That's what it puts in your head. So that's not that there's a lot of uh, people that just throw out stuff that, Oh, it's the greatest of all time. And no, you're, you're not one of those. No, this is what you see. This is what is reminding because oh, we've no, watched this some of football. This is like, right. oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that this is the greatest thing ever. I'm saying that this is the equivalent of what we saw then because, you know, because right now, obviously, Vic had, a, has had, you know, Lamar Jackson's only in halfway through his second season. Basically, he's played one season's worth of football about right now, you know, where we had years of this from Vic. 
And, yeah. you know, and, and even when he came back after the, the jail time and he went to Philadelphia and got that team to the playoffs, he was still Michael Vick. Um, so we, there was a lot of that. And, no, if Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, which is that's my primary concern for him, is, you know, someone, some dude going to rip his helmet off and thrash it about his head. Um, hey, wait a minute. Know, he, can, can, he, <laughs> can he stay healthy? Um, is what I'm primarily worried about for Lamar Jackson. Ah. He's one blindside hit away from being dumplings. But but again, he seems to have that preternatural ability to never uh, get yeah. that hit. And Every, just like Vic, runners, you know, all these runners do. But uh, you know, is he, all he's going to have to do is get a Clay Matthews on Kaepernick kind of hit. You know, <laughs> all it takes is oh. one guy to cheap shot you out of bounds. That, all it takes true. is that. Yeah, we all remember that. Or oh, wait, like did, I, did, I, did I say Kaepernick? Is that like that's like saying Voldemort, right? Oh shit! <laughs> right. I just did both. <laughs> he no, who I must guess, not be named. I guess you can mention his name now if they're setting up oh, uh, yeah, tryouts and workouts for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Otherwise known as hashtag dog and pony. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't. It definitely has that feel of dog and pony show. But hey, he showed up. He didn't call out the NFL and go, "No, I'm calling you out for your BS." Right? That's what you think he would have done. Told them to just stuff it. But no, he he was there. He went. But no, that's what he's always said is, "I just want to play." So yeah, yeah, he's going to show up. As much as he wants to tell the NFL to, to stick it, he kind of told the NFL to stick it after the workout. He was like, "Look, go back and tell your teams to stop being scared." And, and somebody comes sign me. He was uh, uh, adamant about, you know, I can still play. And uh, of course, he's going to show up looking yeah. w- looking good at a workout when there's no defenses out there. So, you know, of course, it's going to be all positive. Yeah, it's like a pro uh, day. That. Yeah, but any so, this is why I find this a little bit disingenuous by the league have, setting this up. Any team at any point could have brought him in, tried him out and signed him to a contract. Anybody. Any team, 32 exactly. teams, anybody could have done this at any time. You know, is uh, Ray Rice getting a tryout this weekend? <laughs> you know, let's just, just take some disgraced former players and start setting that have the league, have the actual football league. I think what the league is trying to do is make peace with its fans to be like, hey, we're having this tryout, and then they waited for all the blowback, and they're like, oh, okay, nobody burned their Nikes, nobody burned any jerseys, okay, now we can proceed, now maybe it's okay, now somebody can sign Kaepernick. It's so phony. The whole thing was was phony. As you already said, any team could have had them in if they wanted to. Anybody. Anybody could have signed him. And every time for, you know, in the media see after when um, when he was first sort of, you know, not banned from the league, when he was sort of blackballed from the league, um, every time a quarterback would get hurt, everybody was like, well, what about that Kaepernick guy? And everyone, oh, no, no, he doesn't. Like the Mike McCarthy, remember, he doesn't fit our system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need right. Brett Unley out there. Because he really fits the system. That's right. Our system is giving the ball to the other team, and we really yeah, need every every to do NFL that. coach would then have to stand up there and kind of slither in their own skin, and and give <laughs> this speech from ownership. Because you know every single one of these coaches would have been just like, 
chomping at the bit to sign a guy like Kaepernick, you know, a pro-ready, at least backup level when he was officially, last we saw him playing football. I wouldn't say he was, he was clearly not top 20 in the league, but he was, you know, bottom half of the league or a top half of the league backup. He could have filled a role. He could have held a clipboard. Um, so why could, but why have him when you can have Jeff Driscoll? <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. Uh, no, uh, Nathan Peterman. Oh, God. The, the Nathan Peterman highlight reel that I'm sure that the Kaepernick defense team had all ready to go as soon as that went to trial. We'd like to place into evidence, Your Honor, Exhibit A, Nathan Peterman highlights. There is no defense for keeping Kaepernick out of the league when (laughs) Nathan Peterman was getting a job. No defense. (sighs) Or how Andy Dalton continues to start. Just start, you know, or or Joe Flacco highlights from this season. Oof. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty bad. Cincinnati might want to show uh, that Sam Darnold I see dead people game. <laughs> Bengals might want to ask uh, Andy Dalton if he want to play again because this kid, uh, what's, what's his name? Brian Finley. Yeah, oh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think yeah that went well. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to see a bunch of quarterbacks tomorrow that uh, all probably Cabernet uh, could outplay still right now, but uh, yes. nonetheless. So, um, well, so we'll, that's enough of week 10. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to picking these games uh, for week 11, which got started in such an ugly, ugly fashion on Thursday night. But we'll forget about that and pick rest of week 11 after I tell you that you can listen to this show as a podcast. Just go to whatever your favorite podcasting app is, and hopefully we're on it. Uh, some of them we're not, but most of them I believe we are. Or you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and subscribe. And when the show is finished, it will download directly to you. If you want to listen to this show live, go back and find the website, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail and bookmark it and come back when we are live and listen to the show live. When are we live? You may ask. Normally, uh, at this time, at, on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Excuse me, 9 p.m. Central um, is when we're normally live. Um, and anytime that we are doing a show uh, uh, on a different time, on a different night, uh, you can still subscribe to the show and uh, get. Uh, I believe you get a notification if you if you subscribe through blogtalkradio.com/slash in much less detail. You will be notified, uh, I believe, by email anytime that we create a show and a and a date and a time. Uh, you can email the show with any questions or comments. You would send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. Um, And that's another way you can find the the show live as I try to remember to tweet it out every time that we go live. Um, But you can only see that if you're following me on Twitter. Um, Also, you can only see our Thursday night picks if you're following us on Twitter as well. We, uh, gave you a loser with the Steelers uh, this past Thursday, but we've gotten some uh, winners lately. Um, and all our picks are going to be up on the blog after we're done with this show. And the blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. 
And with that, it is on to the rest of week 11 in the NFL, which hopefully won't be nearly as weird as week 10. But I have a feeling, I think we're in that uh, part of the schedule, that part of the season where where guys get tired and teams start breaking down a little bit and and weird, weird ass results just start happening. So the the, the fun or the torture in it is to figure out which ones are going to happen and which ones aren't. So ready to try to figure this out? No. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Oh, damn it. thought that was going to stop the show. No. We're, we're gonna thought you just would have been like, well, hell with it. <laughs> well, Jason's spirit has been broken. He texted me and said he's up. So, uh... <laughs> That's right. I am now going to have my dog make the picks for me. So we're going to end the show, and we'll see you uh, next week. Hopefully, you'll be ready to pick at that point. Good night, folks. No, no, we're, we're actually going to pick oh. the rest of these games. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will start with uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay and some NFC South action. Uh, this is a rematch of week five uh, where the Saints uh, down in the Superdome uh, beat the Buccaneers 31-24. to um, and that was a game where uh, Teddy Bridgewater had been doing sort of his Teddy check down thing, uh, taking over for Drew Brees when he first got hurt, and they decided to unleash Teddy B, and Sean Payton said, okay, you don't think he's going to throw deep? We're just going to throw deep. And Teddy Bridgewater in that game goes for 314 yards and four touchdowns, and I'm still shocked yeah. that he uh, was able to do that. So uh, Drew Brees back under center for the Saints, uh, but they do not have their cornerback, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, so the Saints are still favored. They are seven and two, and they give five and a half points at the three and six Buccaneers. Yeah, unfortunately, this is going to be kind of an overriding theme for me. I think a few times this week is you, the hallmark of a really good team is that you bounce back from bad defeats, and you never really want to be the team that's facing a top tier of the league team that just got embarrassed the week before the way the New Orleans Saints got beaten by the Atlanta Falcons. There's no way, absolutely no way that the Saints coming off of that drubbing and getting completely embarrassed, not scoring a touchdown. Remember that touchdown, um, you know, the, the consecutive touchdown streak that Drew Brees had going for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this is not a team, especially against the defense. This is Atlanta, Atlanta's shitty defense. Tampa's is worse than Atlanta's <laughs> defense. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Saints here to bounce back. Sean Payton's going to – they're not going to take the the pedal off the gas at all. That defense is not going to let itself get embarrassed by turnover Jameis Winston. You know, we still need a good nickname for him. Um, yeah. I love – I love the Saints here. Uh, I know it's the first pick of the week, but I'm locking this one up. Wow. <laughs> well, it, you know what? If you believe in a team to to do a bounce back and recover uh, and recover and show what they're made of, then yeah, that I, I, we see that all the time. We see a team go, okay, that was crap, and we're going to shake that off, and we're going to come and and do what we we're, what we're supposed to do because we know we're better than that. So, yeah, I understand uh, going that route. I see it a different way. That was a really bad stumble by the Saints uh, against the Falcons. It's almost inexplicable when you talk about no touchdowns for the Saints in the Superdome. None, really. Um, And now, to me, the problem isn't necessarily the offense. It's 
of the Saints defense now go guard Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin without the only cornerback that actually knows how to play football on your team, Marshawn Lattimore, who's injured. Uh, I don't like that at all, and I think that's going to be uh, a Jameis Winston, one of those Jameis Winston games where he goes to 350 and four touchdowns or something like that. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm going to take all those points, and I think they very well can, can come back and, and win that game and sort of split the season series. I'm not locking it up, though. I, you should have. Go that you should have had our first lock-off of the season. No. We've only I'm, had that I, happen – once or twice? Uh, a handful of times, right. Yeah. Um, if I do a lock-off, it's not going to be trusting Jameis Winston. I promise you that. <laughs> Jameis Winston is capable of throwing five picks. Exactly. Uh, but I do like him to, to win this one. That's a, uh, yeah, the, that's, that's, that's a good Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm writing this theme quite a lot this week, so we'll we'll see. Uh, that's, that's foreshadowing, folks. Foreshadowing. Uh, on the other side of the uh, NFC South, it's uh, those Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Atlanta at two and seven now after that win last week at Carolina, uh, down to five and four after that heartbreaking loss uh, to the, the to the Packers, the, the game that yeah. almost broke Jason's will completely. Uh, Atlanta is a uh, four point underdog uh, at the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and, and this, uh, I love when it starts getting into value pick territory. I think Atlanta going on the road has probably, and winning in such a stunning fashion in New Orleans has probably given Vegas a little bit of love for the Falcons. And I love it when you get the home team with what I think is a discount, because I think this was probably six or seven point territory at Atlanta gone and gotten blown out. Um, Atlanta got the big win. They... They won one for the Gipper. They they showed what they had, and now they are going to go and get Christian McCaffrey running down their throats, and that defense is just going to be completely exposed, and I will take the Carolina Panthers here to win this one going away. I repeat what I said before the Falcons pick last week, and I'll say it again this week. Anything I say about the Falcons has to be taken with a major grain of salt because this was my Super Bowl pick before the year began, and it's still on record as being the worst pick any either one of us has ever made in any year. Um, but I still have a sort of a soft spot for them. I still uh-huh. have some love for the Falcons. I still think that they have so much talent. I don't know where they're – I don't know how anyone could have too much confidence in this game either way because I don't know where their heads are at after that game last week. I don't know if that meant that they're uh, going to rally the whole rest of the second half and, and take some pride in themselves or if that was just a one-game deal. I don't know where the Panthers' uh, heads are at now that they know that Cam is is completely out for the season and and probably isn't ever coming back. And now that they got to look at Kyle Allen and go, oh, you're the you're the guy the whole rest of the way. Uh, uh, okay, um, uh, I know they've got a winning record, but they got to be feeling a little like, oh boy, you know, where do we go from here? And you know, they're they've been relying all year on on McCaffrey and he's been great, but you know, he's got to wear down at some point. Uh, so Brian Hill is going to be the lead back for the Falcons this week. Devontae Freeman is out. Uh, Atlanta finally on grass after the, all those turf games, the first ten, uh, first nine games of the year on, on turf. They finally have to play on grass now with no Austin Hooper. Uh, but I still think uh, they can do some damage through the air because Carolina's got uh, no Ross Cockrell there. One of their cornerbacks is down. The other cornerbacks that are left behind are banged up. James Bradbury and Dante Jackson. And I think even on the grass that, that Matty Ice will keep it going. And 
and certainly outperform uh, Kyle Allen. And, and I, I like the Falcons again. Again, take, wow. take everything I say about the Falcons with a grain of salt. But, but I, take I will say, I will give Atlanta credit for the most impressive performance ever by a mail-it-in team. Man, they came out like they were like, okay, we're going to make a playoff run or something. I mean, that that's why I'm wondering, like where they, are they? Where was this all year? Where was oh. that all year? And then and, and where will it be tomorrow? Will they come back and do it again? That's, that's the big question. Um, but I'll, I'll trust them. We watched this team quit a few oh weeks my ago. God. Yes, they, yes, they did. Uh, but I'll trust them one more time. Uh, on to the Broncos and the Vikings. Uh, Denver at three and six now. Uh, more Brandon Allen at quarterback for them. Uh, they are 10 points underdogs on the road at Kirk Cousins and the 7-3 and three Minnesota Vikings. This is a tricky pick because that's a lot of points for the Vikings to give against a team that does play a really good defense. But Minnesota plays pretty decent defense. They're not as great as they were in seasons past. But Kirk Cousins does seem to be on a roll, and he loves to roll it up against bad teams, and the Broncos qualify as a bad team. So even though this one smells a whole lot of pushy, this has got 26-16 written all over it, I will take the Vikings and give the 10. Yeah, I've had the same fear that you do, that uh, Minnesota could have some difficulty, uh, that the Denver defense has been uh, improving uh, over the last few games uh, under Vic Fangio. Uh, But I came to the same conclusion that you did, that it's a bad Denver team and it's Kirk Cousins at home, and, and it's not road Cousins, it's, it's home Cousins, and it's against a, a team with a losing record. Uh, so even though they don't have Adam Thielen, I still, again, you saw it on Sunday night. When they balance that offense out, they are formidable as hell. When they know yeah. they got Dalvin Cook that's going to take it on first and second down and, and punish you and do real damage to you, and then that opens up for Kirk Cousins, it's when they rely too much on one or the other that they, they get in trouble. Uh, but when they balance it out, the, the Vikings are a hell of a team. They really are. So I will uh, yeah. agree. Uh, and then I'll concur with you and give the 10. Into the, the Vikings start getting into the second half. And one thing Kirk Cousins can do is run the play action. Yeah. And, and, and when, yeah. You, when you have that kind of running to set up your play action, it's it's ultra effective. So, okay, well, we finally will agree on one. I thought we were right. going to disagree <laughs> on every game this week. I thought you were just trying yeah. to end my season mercifully. <laughs> I was looking See, at that, like the first. I'm on, I'm on hiatus. First two games, I was like, oh, I'm going to go all, all the yes. way down the list. Uh, oh, it's going to be like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here, here's a tricky one. Uh, here's another tricky one. Uh, the Jaguars and Colts uh, in, in hot AFC South action. Uh, Jacksonville at uh, four and five coming off their bye after that uh outing over in, in England, the, the last hurrah of, of Minshew mania. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, so it's, it's Nick Foles. Uh, it's actually returning, uh, dueling returning quarterbacks. Nick Foles is back for the Jaguars. Uh, Jack Brisket is back under center for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, but still no T.Y. Hilton. Uh, nonetheless, Jacksonville, two and a half point underdogs at the five and four Indianapolis Colts. Yes, for those of you who don't remember, the lasting image, uh, last and lasting image of Nick Foles was getting his shoulder completely uh, torn up and his collarbone broken on a absolutely beautiful mm. touchdown pass. 
Um, and that's the Wick, that's Nick Foles' game. Nick Foles is going to come back. He's going to give Jacksonville that element of the deep ball that they did not have with Minshew Mania. Um, and Minshew Mania ended with a whole lot of balls going the other way. Um, I, you know, Nick Foles is going to spread, you know, they can go vertical now again. I expect Jacksonville here to go on a run. I don't, my Super Bowl team, they're not dead yet. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't expect them to get Nick Foles back at all uh, once they put him on IR, but Gardner Minshew was so awful in London. That was one of the, and that they immediately, I think it was after the game announced that Nick Foles was off IR and he would start the next game. Like we're done. He's back. Minshew is officially over. Burn your t-shirts. Yeah. This this little kids in little kids in Uganda are going to be wearing Minshew mania t-shirts very shortly. And, uh, And yes, that's all going to end up over there, right with their Super Bowl loser T-shirts, and all those Buffalo Bills fans, and they are all yeah. I'm going to definitely take the Jaguars here. The the key for me again, Foles is back, the deep ball's back, and still no T.Y. Hilton. Indeed, um, what I'm worried about is Foles dropping back in like this in a road game. Um, it, it's a hostile environment. Uh, will game speed be an issue? Uh, the, there's no soft landing. There's no sort of getting a, the Bengals at home and, and sort of warming back up and getting into it. He's he's coming in hot. He's he's coming in uh, uh, against an indie team that they they need this win to to keep Indy off their tails uh, as they go back and forth in, in that AFC South. Um, I will ultimately uh, agree with you and take Nick Foles and the Jaguars. I don't feel great about it. Um, but I, I do think that Nick Foles coming back at quarterback is, is a big help having an actual professional under center. And even if he doesn't light it up himself in this game, just having a pro back there means uh, probably less attention on the uh, on the running game. You don't have to uh, pay, you know, you don't have to worry so much about the, the running game being stifled up. You You have, you know, the defense now has to look out because Nick Foles can go over the top on you. And now that should open up things uh, is what I was trying to stumble out and say that should open things up and loosen things up for, for Leonard Fournette. Uh, so I think the Jaguars can run it and, and get a big win on the ground in, in Indianapolis there. Uh, so I, in other words, I love the under a lot, a lot of running in that game, uh, Washington and the jets. Uh, I love the under here too. Don't, don't see too many points being scored in this game. Uh, the one and eight Redskins hosting the two and seven Jets. Uh, not a lot of wins, not a lot of uh, not a lot of points. Uh, the Jets are actually two and a half point underdogs in this game uh, at the Redskins. Yeah, absent the uh, Jets lost to the Dolphins, that was just embarrassing. But the Dolphins have now now looking back, hey, they just went and beat the Colts. Maybe you know, and the Dolphins have covered five straight weeks. So you know, everything in hindsight much clearer. Um, other than that sort of clunker, I think the Jets and Sam Darnold have proven that they, they can beat bad teams, really bad teams. They beat the Giants. They, Sam Darnold could look okay, and, and the Jets can look like a competent NFL team if they are playing a team that's similarly as awful as them, and the Redskins qualify, so I'll take the Jets on the road to win. I concur. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say about that. There you go. I'm, 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 I have to go against uh, Washington for maybe the foreseeable future until Dwayne Haskins shows me something. I'm, I'm oh. waiting for him to show me anything. 
gonna probably show you three picks. That's what he's gonna show you. Uh, that, that very well may happen. Uh, Houston and Baltimore, a much higher quality game. Uh, probably the yes. game of the week. Game of the week. And both of these quarterbacks, man, I, I can't help but be proud of, of watching uh, two high quality uh, African American quarterbacks. And as you like to point out, we've come uh, to this point where we don't even have to look at the fact that they're African-American because when they talk about it, tomorrow's going to be two of the best quarterbacks in the league. They're not going to even really mention the Patrick Mahomes speech that I gave last season. Right. So when they put his it, stats up, they no longer just said that, oh, now he's throwing the most quarter. He's about to throw the most touchdowns for a black guy. We don't hear that stuff anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's improvement, right? That, that's progress. That's, that's, that's all I look for is, is progress. Take it anywhere I can get it. Uh, Texans at six and three, four and a half point dogs at the impressive seven and two Ravens. Yeah, the stat that again just blew me away this week was that um, Deshaun Watson, in his entire high school, college, and pro career, has never lost a game by more than seven points. That that's just hmm. stunning. That and we want to talk about Lamar Jackson and all the great things that he's doing and all the highlight reel runs, but let's not forget that. You know, Deshaun Watson is is the consummate professional, and we have seen this. We have seen him go into tough, tough spots and compete on the road. He's gone to New England and competed. He's gone to Seattle and competed when they were like, you know, that defense was way better than it is right now. And we, I am not going to sell that team and that organization short. As much as I love what Baltimore is doing, and they're riding high, and they just put up the the the. 50 points, 49 points, whatever they did against uh, Cincinnati, and they just beat the Patriots. I think Houston comes in there and is able to keep this within the number and maybe come in there and outright win the game. But this feels like a field goal game to me, so therefore I am going to take the Texans and the number. I think everyone thinks the same thing as far as this has to come down to which defense can can wrangle or strangle that other quarterback. And can either defense – handle or strangle either one of them because man when they both get on a roll uh you know it seems like no one can stop them. you see what lamar jackson's been doing the last couple of weeks that seems like completely unstoppable and deshaun watson of course has his moments where it seems like nobody can do anything with him so i would uh if we're talking gambling advice if we're really being honest don't yeah, bother wait. yeah don't, don't bother with the spread don't uh, take Take this over if you're going to take yeah. anything in this game. Uh, whatever that number is, I, I would take the over. Um, so I am going to wind up concurring and, and going with the points just because, again, it's it, it does feel like a, a field goal game, a two-point game, something like that. It feels like a, a back-and-forth type affair that you just see two guys balling out and going at it with each other. Uh, it seems like just a great game to, to sit back and watch and not have to worry. I, I wouldn't worry about gambling in this game and, and sort of ruining uh, what what should be just a great uh, episode of, of, of episodic television, uh, just to, just to yeah. see this, just to watch the game. Um, this is stuck in a noontime slot because this has got prime time written all over it. Yeah, this would be great on on a Sunday night. Um, I was uh, the the one thing I would want to watch out for is uh, again the Pro Football Focus podcast. They have a lot of good nuggets. Uh, we're talking about. Uh, Keep an eye on and watch how much trouble Deshaun Watson might create for himself by holding on to the ball too long. That's his big weakness right now. If uh, the Ravens get a, a pass rush going at him, 
Um, he tends to he tends to look around and try to look for that big big play instead of just uh, sometimes taking that check down. He, he he tries to look for the the home run, and if he holds on too long, he puts himself in a lot of situations that he has to then twist and and wriggle out of. And he and the 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 deal is he does it so much, he gets out of those situations so often that people don't realize well he put himself there. He's he's the one that stood there forever and waited, and, and that's why he has to do all these crazy machinations and get out of it so uh just something to keep an eye on how you know, and, and that might be sort of a career almost a career situation or a hindrance uh can he get to the next level can he get to like a, a legit super bowl championship containing quarterback uh he, he might have to learn how to sort of read things quicker and, and get himself out of situations quicker um and, and not always wait around looking for the the big big home run sometimes you got to just take the little thing that's there instead of waiting for the big one so uh, let's keep an eye on that one. It should be a great, great game to watch. The Bills and the Dolphins should not be a great, great game to watch. Uh, the Bills are six and three. The Dolphins are two and seven. I believe this is a rematch uh, in is. Week Seven. Uh, Buffalo won up uh, at Buffalo. They won by ten, which is great for them. Except the Dolphins were seventeen point underdogs, so they covered that number. That's actually uh, pretty much the last really decent team that the, the Dolphins faced. Um, and now here they come after all these covers and they're back playing uh, Buffalo again, except this is at home down in Miami. Uh, Bills are six and a half point favorites on the road at the Dolphins. I think ultimately what we've seen now with the, you know, the, the Bills, obviously um, we know that just have, they're going to always struggle to be covering a huge number but I think by virtue of the Dolphins winning the last two games and covering five times in a row is their number, I think, is finally starting to get to the to, to a point that's correct. It's actually starting to look at Dolphins games and go, this is not a value anymore. I'm absolutely going to take the Buffalo Bills and give the six and a half points here. The number feels right. And I would say even on in any field, home, road, or away, that the Buffalo Bills can definitely be six and a half points better than the Miami Dolphins. Um, they lost kind of a heartbreaker up in Cleveland, a game that they had in hand until they let that get away very late. I mean, we're talking, you know, like 30 seconds left to go. Um, but they had done what the Bills do, and, you know, the game stayed close and stayed close and stayed close, and they got that last-second touchdown in a tough spot and everything looked perfect for their script, except Cleveland, clearly the more desperate team on the field, um, had to have a win, and they were able to get down the field and get a win. Um, I'd feel better for the Dolphins if they hadn't traded their best running back, because the Buffalo Bills, apparently you can run on these guys. Um, I don't think the Dolphins are going to have enough offensive talent to really keep this thing under that seven, so I'm going to take the Bills and give the six and a half. Yeah, Miami's DFL in the league and running, and they've earned that. They really tried hard to make sure that they were dead well, yeah, last. They traded their football. best running back. It'll do yeah. it. Yeah, that that will do it most of the time. Uh, but I'm surprised. Miami's hot, man. They're hot. They're against the spread. <laughs> they are. They're, five in a row. they're red hot. Come on. Uh, you uh, have to ignore kind of who they've played to get that, that mark of, of five in a row. You got – uh, we already talked about Buffalo week seven. We talked about Pittsburgh in week eight uh, and, and sort of laughing at the thought now of that Steelers team being a 14 point favorite over anybody. 
uh, the Jets in week nine, uh, Indy and Bobby Hoyer last week. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right on the money. The the spreads are, are evening out. The market is correcting itself. Uh, the Bills five weeks ago, uh, 17 point favorites uh, four weeks ago. Uh, if this game were to have taken place five weeks ago, six weeks ago at Miami, Buffalo's probably a double-digit favorite uh, down in, in Miami, probably 10, 11, 12-point favorite. Uh, now Miami kind of snapping everybody's fingers and, uh-uh, we're, we're going to cover these big-ass numbers if you keep doing this to us. Now down to six and a half, that's, that I completely agree. Sounds reasonable. I can see Buffalo winning this game by a couple possessions, and even if they win by a touchdown, that covers. So I, I will concur and, and take the Bills. On to the Cowboys and the Lions, the two traditional Thanksgiving teams facing off with each other. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, Detroit will not have Matthew Stafford quarterback, so more Jeff Driscoll for them. Uh, Cowboys at 5-4 and four coming off that uh, home loss to the Vikings. They're still seven-point favorites on the road at the 3-5-1 Detroit Lions. Yeah, if this was Matthew Stafford, obviously if this was Matthew Stafford, this wouldn't be a seven-point Cowboy uh, yeah. line. But yeah, Jeff Jeff Driscoll, the Cowboys <laughs> just coming off of a you know a kind of a weird loss in prime time. Um, I, I wouldn't qualify them as a good team that's bouncing back because I still don't know what to make of them. But I think that they're good enough to go out and take out their frustrations on the road in Detroit against Jeff. Driscoll. I think Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Gallup and Witten, there's enough talent on that team that they can be seven points better than a team that's quarterbacked by Jeff Driscoll. So I will take the Cowboys and I will give the seven and not be stunned at all, just like we were a few weeks ago with Matt Schaub, if this is a push. <laughs> uh, and in addition to that, uh, if Dallas were to be stymied again in a similar way to the other NFC North team that did it to them last week, the Vikings, uh, it would be if Detroit were uh, to have the manpower to, to hold Ezekiel Elliott down and, and do some damage uh, on run defense. And Detroit's not going to do the damage on run defense that my, uh, that Minnesota did because Detroit is 26th in the league in run defense this year. This is a bounce-back spot for Ezekiel Elliott and the rest of the Cowboys. I completely concur with that, and I will take Dallas and give the seven. Now on to the late afternoon action. The uh, Cardinals and the 49ers, uh, this is a very quick rematch. You don't have to go back far to think about this uh, first matchup. It was just uh, was 11 days ago, uh, yeah. the Thursday nighter, where the uh, 49ers beat the uh, Cardinals 28 to 25, which again, that's good if you're San Francisco, but it's bad if you were a better because San Fran was a 10 point favorite. And of course you certainly remember that one because you had San Fran and they would have had it covered except for the great oh. Andy Isabella. God damn it. Free. Losses. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> some of these games are losing. My God. Well, here's your chance for redemption. San Francisco is once again a 10-point favorite, except this time they're at home. So 3-6-1 Cardinals plus 10 at the 8-1 49ers. You know, and I don't want to say I learned from that. Maybe I didn't learn from that because they had that game completely covered except for that stupid 88-yard touchdown pass. But I, <laughs> what, I've, what I've also realized in that game, you know, Kenyon Drake is, uh, 
you know, legitimate NFL running back after the Dolphins jettisoned him. And even last week in Tampa, what I found out about the Cardinals, the Cardinals are a bad team. But you know what they are? They're a fun, bad team. And fun, bad teams can usually put up some points. And in the end, you know they're going to lose, but they're going to do it in the most fun, bad way possible. I'll take the Cardinals and the 10. They are fun, bad. They've been sort of incrementally uh, improving uh, every game this year. They started out uh, – I, I just say I know all about fun bad. Watching those like late '80s, early '90s Falcons teams, the epitome of fun bad football. Uh, <laughs> that's what the Cardinals remind me of right now. Yeah, they uh, they they started out with that crazy tie against the Lions. They've sort of built from there, and I, I understand they still have a losing record, but yeah, they they seem to be getting a little better. Kyler Murray seems to be integrating it along and and getting a little better at football every every single week. This is more to me about all of the, the little red flags for the 49ers. Uh, again, no George Kittle. Well, he will not be playing. Uh, they got their running back, Matt Breida, hurt in that loss to, to Seattle. He will not be playing. Emmanuel Sanders got himself hurt. He got his ribs twisted up. He uh, said he's, quote, going to try to play. I don't think that bodes very well for his performance, whether he – plays or not on a uh, try list do they uh no i we got doubtful questionable i don't see gonna try to i don't yeah, see that gonna try no okay. um you, you get the got the perfect record going down in Flames monday in that crazy game with seattle that's a that's still a short week i understand it's a, you know it's not four days it's uh it's six but it's still a short week uh let down of losing a record, let down of how you lost that game. I think they're due, uh, and I think they're ripe. And I've been sort of just them and the uh, and the Patriots, uh, as we know, I've been propping up how a little bit of a paper champion I believe they are, and that they're getting, they're getting tougher and tougher competition. Um, yeah, I completely believe in that. I completely believe the Cardinals will compete, and I think they have a chance to even win this game because the Niners are just in a perfect spot to, with all the letdown and all the injuries, they can be got. Uh, they can be caught by the Cardinals. And if I believe the Cardinals can actually come in and beat them, then I must really like them for a 10-point uh, underdog as far as the point spread. So, yeah, wow. I'll, I'll like those Redbirds. Yeah. All right. Ah, that, that should be fun. Fun bad. Fun bad. We haven't used yeah. that term enough on we got. I'm going to start using that one more because that's you know, like, like the, fun the bad. Tampa. Tampa's fun bad, right? Oh, James is a barrel of fun, man. He is so, so <laughs> much fun to watch. About it, you know, you had last week with the Cardinals in Tampa. That had to be like that's the fun bad game of the year. I should have that category. I think I'm going to add that one in now. We should have loved the over in that one because fun back bad and game forth of the fun. Year. Yeah. Game the, the 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 game with two teams so shitty it's a good game. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the shitty in a, in, a, in an entertaining way because Jets right. and Redskins are also shitty, oh, but that's oh, not no, fun. Bad no, Jets Dolphins. <laughs> no, that's, that's not bad. Fun bad. <laughs> that's not fun. Bad. That's bad. Bad. It's just bad. bad. <laughs> we don't have a category for that first game of the year. <laughs> Feeling this game we just had on Thursday night might be in the running. Oh, that's ugly bad. Uh, uh, On to what should be a a fun game and not bad. 
uh, Eagles hosting the Patriots. They're both coming off a bye. They're both going to be fresh. New England's uh, coming off of their stinging of the uh, given to it by the by the Ravens, and the Eagles are at five and four. They're desperate, and, and you know they're going to bring their best effort at home. Uh, sort of a Super Bowl rematch, sort of kinda. Carson Wentz, of course, wasn't playing in that game. Uh, New England is a four-point favorite uh, at the five and four Eagles. Yeah, I'd love to take Philly in this spot, but you've got Belichick coming off the bye. The last time we saw the Patriots play, they were getting completely embarrassed in prime time by the Baltimore Ravens, and I just want to know who's playing for the Eagles. Everybody's hurt. Everybody is hurt for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's like the mash unit. So I understand that they, you know, people want to give them some extra love because, you know, the rematch and may, maybe Doug Peterson's got the number of, of Belichick. It, you know, they're going to win this one on gut and gumption. But no, I think the Patriots are just, they're not loaded. And I, I think if the Eagles were healthier and this would be a better spot, obviously, I think they'd probably also have the number moved more in their favor. Um, but as much as I don't want to, I'm going to take the Patriots and I'm going to give the four. Uh, if, if the Eagles can spring this one, spring the home upset, uh, I, I, nobody would be happier than me. Nobody was happier than me two weeks ago when Baltimore beat the crap out of the Patriots. I love watching the Patriots lose, but I don't see that happening here. I think the Eagles are just too, too depleted. Do have a lot of injuries. Um, there, there are less injuries on their injury report than there had been lately. The, all those DBs that I've been watching go down one by one. Uh, I, I don't see them on the injury report this week, so I, I think a lot of them are going to be healed up and coming back. I know Jalen Mills is definitely supposed to be coming back. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is out. Jordan Howard, the running back, has a stinger. He uh, hasn't been cleared for contact, so if he does play, I don't know how effective he's going to be, but that sounds like he's not going to even be out there, but that's going to be okay for, for Philly because that would give more opportunity for the rookie Miles Sanders, and I've seen flashes out of him that I think they need to give him the ball anyway and then sort of make him the star. I understand uh, they give Jordan Howard a lot of the, the, the tougher carries to save some wear and tear on Miles Sanders, but I think you can go ahead and, and make him your feature guy tomorrow, and, and I think that'll probably be good for his development. I still continue to believe that the New England Patriots will falter versus good teams now that they're through that cupcake part of their schedule, and I'm not going back on that here. I'll, I'll take Philly uh, to win the game. Uh, Carson Wentz has been very good this year. He's been betrayed by some of his receiving targets, um, and that it wouldn't be surprising if that continued tomorrow, if we had some more drops out of Nelson Aguilar and whoever else is going to be running around out there for him, but uh, he he seems to persevere. He's he's very tough mentally, it would appear. Um, and like I said, I, I just have a feeling that Miles Sanders will take over as the lead back and have a big day on the ground. I, I think they'll run for over a hundred hundred yards on the on the Patriots. Um, and, and thinking back to the Super Bowl, why did I go with the Eagles in that Super Bowl? And why would I go with the Eagles uh, tomorrow? Uh, one very similar reason. All the injuries and, and all the departures, free agency and whatnot, but the Eagles still have a very tough defensive line. They still get after you, and they can still bust Tom Brady in the fucking mouth. And we know that's how you yeah. beat the New England Patriots. Bust Tom Brady 
in the fucking mouth. I, I am going to make a contingency. Can I make a contingency pick that if Bill Belichick Uh-oh. decides to bench Stephon Gilmore right before the game, that I'm going to switch <laughs> my pick to the Eagles? Uh, duly noted. We'll have to Thank go you. and check out the starting lineups. <laughs> yes, if I see that Stephon Gilmore has been inexplicably benched, and then they, after the national anthem, he's standing on the sidelines crying. Yes, I want the <laughs> Eagles. Just saying. <sighs> You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. And you, don't you never know the asterisk next to that one. But yeah, this is Bill oh. Belichick, right? Hey, and Carson exactly. Wentz gets his first shot at the Patriots. That's so right. Maybe he'll be motivated because how many times has he had to hear, well, it was Nick hey. Foles' chance. Nick Foles got that ring. What happened to you? Where were you out there? Yeah. So maybe this maybe I'm not, again, I would love to be wrong on this pick. I'll take one for the team here. I'll take it. I'll take all that I can get. Uh, on to the Bengals and the Raiders. You know, Murga is uh, – that's going to wind up being one of the strangest stories of the season because they're 5-4 they're and four now. They're going to be 6-4 and four after this. There's zero chance the Bengals are going to beat the, the, the Raiders. Uh, it's all about the point spread as far as, as, as our pick is concerned, but there's zero chance the, the Bengals are actually winning straight up. Uh, I still don't like them. It's even at six and four, I still don't like the Raiders, but uh, the record is the record. You can't deny that. Uh, the virtue of the Steelers losing uh, Thursday night, the Raiders have actually, for temporarily, moved into that sixth seat. So yeah, with six weeks to go, the Raiders are potentially play, playoff bound. I, I I I can't buy that. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, that's good for them. That's fine. But but really, we're talking about playoffs for for Murray? Really? I mean, I mean even playoffs. Actually, Don't talk about right? playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. Okay, so they get to six and four, and let's say they fall flat on their face, and they only win two the rest of the way. Wouldn't eight and eight be looked at as a major up? You know, just a major effort for Murga and the Raiders this year. We left them for yeah. dead. So yeah. I, I agree. All right. That, that, that would be amazing. It hurts. It hurts us to the core to give Murga any <laughs> props or, or any compliments, but yeah, that's, I, that's, I really agree. I think this is all a big number, right? 11 and a half is what I'm staring at. That's exactly what I got. Uh, 0-9 Bengals with Ryan Finley, a quarterback, 11 and a half point dogs at the five and four Raiders. Yeah. Um, I can't do it. I can't take that number. <laughs> I tried last week, and what I saw was that the Bengals, we were sort of tricked into thinking that the Dolphins were the worst team in football. The Dolphins would blow these guys out. So I will take the Raiders. I'll give the 11 and a half. That is a complete joke team, joke organization. The only person who's coming out looking good in this whole thing this year is Marvin Lewis. Well, look, at the beginning of the year, when you talk about comparing the Bengals and the Dolphins right now, at the beginning of the year, one, <laughs> Andy Dalton is still there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we think, we're thinking A.J. Green would be there. He still hasn't shown up. Uh, we, we, we're wondering about uh, uh, the running back, uh, the, the guy that knocks out girls in, in bars. Uh, we were wondering if he was 
you know, we wonder if he's going to take a step forward this year. He's taking a big step backwards. There's reason to think that the, the Bengals were not nearly as bad as the Dolphins, and a lot has changed in 11 weeks. Yes. So. If, you, if the Dolphins and the Bengals played this week, you'd have the Dolphins, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have the Raiders. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. A lot of points, though, but they, they have the a thing here. So bad. It's not enough. It's it's not it, it better not be enough. At the end of the year, uh, these Bengals might look like what these Dolphins spreads used to look like. And I was looking at a path at the beginning of the year of can I find the can I find a W for the Dolphins? I couldn't really find one. Yeah. I thought zero and sixteen was was a foregone conclusion, and now I don't know if I can find a W for the Bengals. Well, just wait. Week 16, we can put our money where our mouths are. Bengals at Dolphins. There it is. The Week game that everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> uh, on Sunday night football, we have the Bears and the Rams, and Chicago is now 4-5 and five after finding a way to knock off Jeff Driscoll and the Lions. Congratulations to them. Uh, they are six-point underdogs at the 5-4 and four L.A. Rams. Yeah, so we get home golf now, yeah. right? Home golf going home in prime time. Uh, if this was an AFC opponent, I would probably do some bear whispering and take the Bears because it's a, you know the bear whispering has to be big road dog on the road against an AFC opponent usually in prime time. They used um, to be an AFC team. Does that count or did they? No, I'm thinking of the Seahawks. Never mind. Yeah. But no, I, I, the Rams here in this spot, uh, this feels like a bounce back for me. Uh, this is this is a, a the Mitch Trubisky offense. They barely beat the Lions and Jeff Driscoll. They're going on the road. They're playing against a really good, although maybe they either defense this year has performed to the level of what they did last year. But the Rams just went on the road and got embarrassed in Pittsburgh, and now they're coming home. And again, we've got the home road splits for Jared Goff. We've got how bad the Bears and inept the Bears have looked on offense. Uh, we've got Jalen Ramsey now being more, you know, worked into this defense. They didn't lose last week in Pittsburgh because of their defense. Let's just say that. And I don't think I don't think there's anything here that stops the Ram. I'm stunned because all week I was sure you had the Rams here as your lock of the week because I was just waiting for you to get a. <laughs> all over your bears um, for how bad their offense has been this week. So I, I'm stunned that this wasn't your lock, although you may still get surprised me and take the bears and the points, but uh, no, I think everything points here to a Rams uh, fairly easy win. I'm, I'm, I've got weird, like I've got like 30 to 13 vibes coming off of this game. You got me taking the Rams as a lock, and then you got me taking the Bears and the points. So you're, I'm all over the place on this one. You, you got me. <laughs> expect you to take the Rams, but the way this season has gone, you'll probably have the Bears to win. <laughs> and, and if I did, the Bears would win. Um, no, uh, so I'll, I'll have uh, full transparency on on this one on my thought process since you're so interested in it. Uh, simply, I don't have any confidence in Trubisky right now, except really bad defenses. And the LA Rams are a lot of things. They're very inconsistent. They're very hard to uh, get a handle on and put your thumb on. But they're, they're not a bad defense. They're they're a very uh, they're a good defense and sometimes very good. 
Um, and I got a bad feeling Aaron Donald is going to make sweet, sweet love to Mitch Trubisky all day out there in L.A. Um, so I have Chicago, uh, uh, I have the L.A. covering the six, and I have them uh, winning 33-17, to 17, which is definitely covering six. Um, it's not that far I, off of my 30-13. to 13. No, it's not. And the reason I don't have that as a lock is because, again, I have Arizona knocking off San Francisco because of all okay. the different red flags I for San Fran. And yes. even if they don't knock off San Fran, they're still a 10-point dog, and they can easily cover that Got just it. by hanging around. But you're so. saying that you, if you were doing a confidence pool, the Rams would be pretty high up for you this week. Uh, I have 11 points on them in my confidence pool out of 14. We're, again, full transparency here. Uh, All right. The, the teams I have more confidence in would be Minnesota, Dallas, and o- Oakland. So that makes me feel good because that means I read it correctly that I would fully expected you to crap all over the bears and you did. And I did. Absolutely. You, that should make you feel terrible because that means we're both probably going to lose. You probably were expecting me to go bears win here. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did. Yes, I did expect you to play the contrarian. Although then when you said at the beginning there uh, that you had a lot of teams redeeming themselves off of bad losses, the, yeah. the, the, the Rams certainly fit that description. Yeah, Rams bounce back, Patriots bouncing back, uh, the Cowboys bouncing back, and the Saints. So it's a bit, this, is, this is bounce back week. So I've got a theme going this week. Do you have the Chiefs bouncing back on Monday night in Mexico City? They are hosting, or not actually hosting, they're playing the uh, Los Angeles Clipper, San Diego Clipper Chargers. Uh, the, this is a Clippers game that's being uh, taken away from them out of the soccer stadium. Oh. They would be hosting the, the Chiefs. <laughs> so one game we have to watch in the soccer stadium. So yes, that is Chargers at this game. Uh, there may be more Chargers fans in Mexico City than, than actually in play. No one Chargers fans in Mexico City than in the actual city they play in. I guess that's the best question that we could ask right now. Nobody in LA wants them, so I think the answer has to be yes, right? Or, or C. Uh, in any event, <laughs> C, C, senor. Um, the uh, uh, injuries are, are might play a, a part in this one because the. Chargers O-line is banged up, but Kansas City uh, has uh, an issue with their starting running back, Damian Williams, who has personal issues. I have no idea what that means, but he's uh, questionable to even make the trip down there at this point. So with that in mind, it is Kansas City versus the Los Angeles Chargers in Mexico City. KC at 6-4 and four are giving four points. They're four-point favorites against the 4-6 and six Chargers. So in the biggest mouthful ever, we can say that these are the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles <laughs> in Mexico City. It's amazing. Put that on your jersey. De Mexico City. Uh, to to, De, to De complete Mexico your question and to round out bounce back week, yes. I do believe <laughs> that after going on the road and beating – uh, seemingly beating the Tennessee Titans and then finding a way to completely uh, blow the field goal, blow by lock, blow everything, and then lose to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. There's no way Andy <laughs> Reid is going to go and lose to the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles and Mexico City. Uh, I got it, I guess, closer than, than you. Uh, 
I, I do like uh, the idea of Pat Mahomes taking his talents to Mexico City and putting on a show for the crowd down there and for the Monday night cameras. I think Andy Reid will be at his creative best, and it should be a lot of fun. I think the, the Clipper Chargers can sort of keep up, at least for a while. Uh, Kansas City's defense is still no great shakes. Uh, they can stumble, and, and the Chargers can sort of keep it close. I, I don't know, what, speaking of bouncing back, I don't know if uh, Pat – uh, or Philip Rivers is, is going to come back and try to throw a pick every single time that he drops back like he did the last time that we saw him on, on that awful game that he uh, that he just lost. Oh, Raider game? Oh. Yeah. But you see, it felt like every time he dropped back, he was trying to throw a pick. Yeah. And the, the Raiders would have had very confidently thrown into the Not other like team. I mean, Philip Rivers was throwing picks with confidence. <laughs> He, he wasn't seeing any ghosts. He was just seeing the, I don't know what he was seeing out there. It was, it was, it was a really bad game. Um, but, but that's almost like a, in the same vein that they can come back and, and sort of bounce back from that effort. Because uh, again, before that, I thought the charges were ready for a sort of a turnaround and, and, and coming back from their doldrums. I, I thought they were, were ready for, uh, for, for a push of their own and they may still be. So I think this is going to actually be – I like the over here. I, I think it's going to be closer than you do. I, I am uh, concurring and taking Kansas City and giving the four, but wouldn't be surprised if they wound up winning by a late field goal and, and kind of screwing both of us. Um, but I, I, this, uh, yet again, this is one of those where my pick is, is Kansas City by five. Therefore, I have to take Kansas City favorite by four. I, I have 31-26. Okay, 31-26. Okay, that's interesting. So – we we can after some early disagreement we agreed a lot this week. That's not good for you, by the way. Well, uh, it, it's a it's a fun week. It's a, it's a diverse week as far as our picks go. So, yeah, we did agree more than I thought we would uh, after a while there. Yeah, I guess uh, after the the early ones, the only one that we really disagreed on was was Philly uh, in New England. So we agreed. So we agreed on all the other ones. We disagreed on three. After all that, yes. <laughs> we disagree on the first two picks. We're like, oh my God, it's going to be one of those weeks. And we ended up disagreeing on one pick the rest of the show. Correct. Well, enjoy your three win week because that's where you, <laughs> you're going to be down at my level. Or I'm just going to ride your coattails. Uh, hey, come along. I, I, hope I, I hope I can keep my hot streak going. That's, I'll be up uh, with you because I'm starting to get to that point in the season where it's so late that I just need percentage points for playoff stuff right now so yeah for our we uh, and now i'm like 10 picks behind you so for, for our season uh records uh you've read my mind i was just gonna uh re- do the reset there three weeks ago we were and now uh i'm at 75 71 and two i'm so thrilled to be back over 500 because i didn't know if i was going to get there this year um and you're at 65 81 and two so uh, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy yeah. last three weeks. So, yeah. So disagreeing on three, hey, if I can win all three of those and I could get back, you know, a little bit here, but not a week where everything, anything is going to, you know, really switch too much one way or the other with only three picks at stake. Right. And but, one but loss looks, for us. That's right. Oh, that, that ugly-ass Thursday game. Oh. Yeah, I just um, in in the last minute live here, I just wanted to uh, 
put another another point on my uh, uh, problem that I have with the all the quote unquote journalists that were having a, a an issue with uh, Mason Rudolph not getting suspended. It reminded me we had Kaepernick back in the news because of this uh, tryout or whatever today, and it reminded me of when Kaepernick first got blackballed, and a lot of these same voices that are screaming about, oh, Mason Rudolph didn't get suspended, were the same ones that were trotting out there, cherry-picking these certain stats that Kaepernick had his last year that he played and saying, Kaepernick actually is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. You can't be-. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't do the yeah. argument any good when you cherry-pick certain things. Was he one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? No. Was he one of the best? Hell no. Just yeah. go with what's out there. Just You don't have to make up narratives. Just go with what you see. <laughs> and that just does everybody much better as far as I'm concerned. I want to say his last year, I want to say his last year in San Francisco. I know this will carry over here into the, into the after show. Yes. I'll finish my thought in a moment. All right, now into the VIP after show program, as you were saying. Yeah, his, his last year in San Francisco, I believe he had a 92 quarterback rating, but it didn't pass the eye test. I mean, he had that Matt Barkley game in Chicago, which I think was kind of the, you know, the Waterloo for Colin Kaepernick's career when he got pulled in the uh, like early part of the fourth quarter of that game and it completed like three passes for four yards and lost to Matt Barkley and the Chicago Bears. Um, that, to me, was sort of what cemented it for me. Like, yeah, this, and, and it's not talked about. Nobody talks about it anymore that Colin Kaepernick had a fairly serious shoulder problem. He couldn't throw the football. He, you know, he, he had the Marcus Mariota problem, right? Very similar where, you know, you had the bad shoulder and you just couldn't get the ball down the field at all. Kaepernick had a basically the bum flipper in the midst of all of the kneeling and all the controversy. Um, his, his body was failing him, you know? So I don't even know if it was necessarily skills that eroded, but he was hurt. He had a bad shoulder. It never gets talked about. And he had a really good quarterback rating because he was basically doing the Sam Bradford. Uh, yeah, exactly. Way, right. And that's what he was at the end. And everybody remembers Kaepernick running for 180 yards against the Packers in the playoffs and nearly beaten the Ravens in the Super Bowl. And then we think about those first two years of Kaepernick. And then forget that after those first two years, he was a one, you know, he fell into the same trap as all the other one read and run quarterbacks and his body failed him. He, he was basically a healthier version of RG three. Well, I, I have to admit, even I had forgotten about uh, the injuries because I was more focused on, and we were, and I was saying it at the time way before the kneeling stuff, was that he seemed to stop growing as a quarterback the moment that Jim Harbaugh left San Francisco to go coach at University of Michigan. Sure. Yeah. And that happens all the time where guys have a, a rapport with a certain coach, and when that guy leaves, then if you don't bring in the right replacements, then uh, the guy doesn't uh, keep growing. He, he doesn't really keep figuring out the, the game of football uh, because some guys are so much better at teaching it than others. And that's why I was so upset at the at the, the blackballing of Kaepernick because 
who knows if he could have ever gotten back to the, the, the first two years of Kaepernick under the right tutelage, under the right coaching, but he never got the right coaching and he never got another chance. And that's what had me so frustrated about it. But again, the, the cherry picking of certain stats to try to, to back up your point that somebody is much better than the, well, actually his passer rating was this, or his completion percentage was that. And yeah, you brought up the, the right name there, Sam Bradford, who set a record for completion percentage while sucking out loud at quarterback. <laughs> yes. That was the entire, he was just was, checking it down to everybody. It made it a joke. You just check down to everybody. Yeah. You can complete a lot of passes. Do you actually advance the football very far? no, and yeah, last I checked, the point of the game. You're screwed. The point of the game is advancing the football. So, yeah, you can throw a lot of swing passes and complete them, but you're not really advancing anything. So, but yeah, I definitely had to just get that off my chest. Yeah, no, and it's, it's been, you know, having him have the tryouts today, it's the first time he's really been in the news in a while. Um, you know, I, I, I probably would have been the lead of the show had we not had a quarterback getting thrashed about his head with a helmet. And all the reports were uh, that this wasn't a Kaepernick idea to have a, a open nope, tryout before week 11 of the fucking season, which is yeah. just kind of asinine. Yeah, this is the NFL trying to, and I'm reading other things that the, the ulterior motive was to, to get him – uh, specifically in front of them so that they can then try to get him to drop this other leg of that lawsuit that he had pending. And so this wasn't even about necessarily just having this open trial for it. this. The whole thing was a dog and pony show from the beginning. Right. And it and smelled of, like when, it. When it was first announced, one of the things that I heard, and I never heard it brought up again, so I don't know if it was debunked or you can't because we don't know what actually ended up happening was if this was part of the settlement. Yeah, I heard I read that too. You um, know, was this was this one of the agreements whether stated or unstated that mm-hmm. they were going to set something up for him and they're trying to smooth some things over with him. It's too late for that now. No one's signing him, period. They, no. they, they, they if they wanted to they would have by now. They, no one's signing him now. And if they right. do for, it's, for it's the, we have just PR. talked about Jeff Driscoll and whoever oh, this guy is in uh, Cincinnati. Ryan Finley. Ryan and... Finley. Might as well be Ryan Lindley for all we know. You know. <laughs> ah! oh, <God. laughs> we we just had Brian Hoyer retread starting last yeah. week. It, it, it's not going to happen. You know, where would he go? Who 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 right now would take the shot? I I don't. It, it, I mean, it, you've got you've got teams with three quarterbacks that don't have any, like Washington, right, with Colt McCoy and Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins. They don't have yeah, any quarterbacks. You can, you can put them there and, and throw one of the other quarterbacks away, but you know what? Do you, what yeah. do you really do? Or can you go to Denver? Is is Elway up for something like that? Would do you, if he was? Wouldn't he have already done it before now? I think in think? Denver, but they're they're holding out for Drew Locke to come back from being injured. I think before they make any, you know, that's any the, decision. That's the organization that was holding out for for Lynch. Yes, for Paxton no, Lynch. So this is also the organization not that, to be that, that acquired Joe Flacco. 
and thought yeah. that he was the answer, and Joe Flacco was all-time bad this year. Joe Flacco was Andy Dalton bad this year. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. So, yeah, I, I I never did like the idea of of trotting him out there for a tryout at this late stage of the season. It didn't it didn't make any sense from the moment I heard. I was like, what What are they doing? Why Why? So, you know, and we didn't even talk about it with the helmet thing. With How lucky was Mason Rudolph that he got hit with the bottom of the helmet and not the crown? Yeah, there's a lot of things, like I said, that could have gone much worse. If the skull got caved in, I mean, that would have been something. That's what what you were looking at when he first hit him. And I said, oh, my God, I just – I didn't know he was going to turn around and react like that with his arms. I'm like, what just, what was that? What just happened out here? I thought he was going to go down and like go down for a while. So I'm I'm actually glad that he had. Hey, what happened? Because he could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah, his immediate reaction was to go, hey, what happened? You know, what's going on here? And then immediately jacked up. Like Uncle Joby. <laughs> that was funny. The other guy, I remember, the other guy running in and, and, what was he? What was going through his mind? He sees a quarterback with his helmet off and says, "Ooh, fresh meat! All right, I can go in." For that, yeah, and he should have. I think all the punishments were were warranted that were handed down. Yeah, I don't see a lot of appeal reductions here either, uh, especially for Garrett. He's not coming back, and he's got to do the whole Josh Gordon thing. He's got to meet with the commissioner before they even somebody you know, wrote. Of letting Somebody him back in, Roden released a very nice apology under his name. That was a, that was a good first step. So I don't. There, there's zero chance he wrote it, but somebody made a very nice apology under Miles Garrett's name. Faux contrition. Yeah, yeah. I I had I made a mistake. It, I just made a mistake. Yeah. So the first comps you heard were Malice in the Palace, but that was unique because that had fans involved. That was a fan melee. Right. Um, immediately my first baseball one wasn't the Juan Marichal thing. My immediate baseball reaction was a little, like an almost unknown thing that we don't talk about anymore was when Delta Young baseball bat in the hump. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought you were doing a different one. That was in the minors. So it doesn't really get talked. Not a lot of there's not a ton of video footage because the only video angle you ever have of that is Delman Young walking away off screen and then the bat flying back at the umpire. <laughs> yes, but that was a big one and he got a huge suspension. I think he got 50 or 80 games for that. Um, which one did you bring up? Do you remember this uh, Boston Red Sox minor leaguer named Izzy Alcantara? Um, he thought every he got hit by a pitch. And he thought he was being thrown at uh, intentionally. And I'm sure this is on YouTube. I'm sure you can look it up and Google it. And he made the decision, I'm not going to run out immediately to the mound. I'm thinking I'm getting intentionally hit. I think the catcher called for me to get hit. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn around and karate kick this catcher in his motherfucking head. Then I'm going to turn around and go to the mound and go after the pitcher. That was a beautiful brawl. But I don't remember... You know, I think of karate. I think of Julian Tavares. Um, <laughs> the guy tried to run out to the mound that he tried to do like the whole judo drop yeah. kick. What? A, yeah, I remember the that. But, kick. Yeah, yeah. He thought he was the freaking karate kid out there, but no. I thought of Delvin yeah. Young throwing at the ump. Um, but you know, it's just you know. Yeah, I remember that. Had all sorts of 
incidents. And, you know, that's why it's so hard. Like, I don't want to get hyperbolic, you know. I saw that you had retweeted the thing where somebody would, like, said that old Joe Buck went to the whole, like, oh, worst thing ever, you know, after, and then was making fun of him with the Randy Moon, uh, Randy Moss with the moon things, that that was the worst thing ever. Yeah, I thought that was the worst thing he'd ever seen on a football field. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, I, I've, I've seen worse things happen on a football field than, I mean, that could have ended worse, obviously. Yes. Um, that, that's the scariest part. It had the potential to be the worst thing, but fortunately, nobody was seriously hurt. Nobody was concussed. Mason Rudolph's okay. Um, he 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 didn't get beat up once. He got beat up like three times. You know, first he gets sacked and laid on. Then he gets his helmet yeah. ripped off and pushed over his head. And then when he's standing there protesting, another dude just lights him up. Blindside <laughs> lights him up. So Mason, after throwing four picks and losing a fumble, Mason Rudolph did not have a good day. He kind of had a bad day. I don't know anybody's I've... ever gotten worse. Than Mason I've had, Rudolph. That's I've had bad. some really bad. I've had some really bad evenings in my life. Not quite like that. That that's not a good day. I've had bad days at work. I don't know if I've ever had a day at work that bad. <laughs> no, that, that was pretty bad. It, it, you... Just think about how much money Mason Rudolph. I, you know what? I I can throw four picks and let a dude hit me in the head with a helmet. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want Miles Garrett swinging a helmet at my head. I think he got lucky that he didn't get yeah, the fuck knocked all- out of him. Got about ten pounds on me, so I'm all right. <laughs> I don't like want to take the chance. You know? I'm like, you know, six three, two sixty five. He could take. I could, I could handle it. I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about your melon. What can your melon <laughs> handle? The helmet to the head being swung by Miles Garrett. What's one more? Give me the check. <laughs> I, I don't. It's not worth it. It'd be like Ali, you know. Oh Have God, milk- no, you. You don't want to be like Ali. Oh, okay. Bad <laughs> comp. Uh, maybe not I, Ali. But Michael J. Fox. Oh, wait, no. Oh, no. It's going to make me introduce my newest uh, drop that I put on. You don't want to wind up like this. Don't want to wind up it? like that. I found How it. Did, how'd you find that? <laughs> I, 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 what did I search? Uh, Kurt Warner Campbell or something like that, and and it was there. Mama Boys, I believe, was the <laughs> ad kit. I mean, we had that, and when we had that entered in um, to the Hall of Infamy, uh, that quotes right. it. down here. There's a new chunky soup. Huh? Don't fumble that bowl, baby. Chunky chicken and dumplings is loaded with big chunks of chicken, veggies, and hearty home-style dumplings to fill you up right. Hey, your head's on my shoulders. Your head, your head. Your head's on my shoulder, man. Dumplings. New Campbell's Chunky Home-Style Classic. Like Mom used to make. There it is. That's great. That's great. Three years three years too late for the Hall of Infamy, but pop, pop. <laughs> now we have the audio. Um... Dumplings. I love it. It's a great drop. I could have swore. 
I could have swore we've searched for it before and didn't find it, but maybe there was demand. When I entered that in to the Hall of Infamy, yeah, I did more research looking for that damn clip <laughs> and that audio drop than I think I've ever looked for one on this show. I mean, I probably spent hours looking for that damn drop. Cause I there wanted was demand out there, I guess. No, that would have been Mason Rudolph, right? <laughs> it's so funny. You know, we're sitting here laughing about a drop that we've associated with head trauma. <laughs> you got to laugh. got to laugh about so, these things. Yeah, but that's when they used to make jokes about that stuff, right? I mean, that was almost – I mean, wasn't the implication that, you know? That he was having his, his, his brain scrambled. Yeah, dumplings. <laughs> airplane, you know, with the CTE. Oh, <laughs> Classic. Maybe all your searching uh, set off all the the Google machines and made everybody. Oh, someone's looking for that commercial really hard. We need to put it up. Somebody, uh, you know, where, what other what other show? What other show has? <laughs> Has the has the drops that we have, you know? We've got the, we've got all the classics. We've got the boy Howdy and Dumplins, and yeah, everybody's got the, the the cliche ones, right? Everybody's got the Jim Mora drop. Even we have that, you know. Oh yeah, but we no, got the cliches no. too. We, we, we got those. We play the hits. We, yeah, we you know we, we play the top forty, but we also right. have the we also have the deep cuts too. That's right. <laughs> Not too many people are doing Dumplins as a as a head trauma joke drop. That's, that's just us. We, we'll claim hey, it and we'll own it. Kurt Warner went into the Hall of Fame, and I was standing there with a crowd of people watching it at work, and I said that I called him Dumplins. <laughs> there were more Snickers than not coming from the people that I was standing there with. So I think more people, get, I think more people get that than we realize. I guess so. He might be known as Dumplins all over the world for all we know. Oh, man. Should I go? Should I get a Rams jersey thirteen and put dumplings <laughs> on the back and see oh. if anybody gets it? <laughs> uh, if we, you know, if we ever get our own show, I'll buy the jersey for you. You can, you can wear it on the first oh, show. Like, wherever, like, if there's ever like a video aspect to the show where we're sitting in one of those goofy ass <laughs> studios with all the memorabilia, because that's the way to do it now, right? That's right. You got to be surrounded by. Uh, Surrounded by all your memorabilia, you got to wear a, a T-shirt with you. You'll wear that uh, jersey with Dumplings. I'll wear a T-shirt that says www.thebus36.com, <laughs> and we'll be all we'll be all set to go. We have, did we ever induct that? Did we induct that website in? I'm not sure. I, I could have swore we have. Well, I, oh. you, said, you said we have to can sort of hard every. We'll repeat because yeah, I know we've spent. I know we've devoted time, uh, quite a considerable yeah. amount of time on this show over the you know seven years of doing this show. One uh, time we went and looked up the site. We did, and it was like you could get Jerome Bettis to come and like do your like motivational speaking and stuff. But no, that I, I'd love that. I'd love to find the uh, interview. It was a, I think it was on a Monday <laughs> night. It was like halftime of Monday Night Football, and they went and did yeah. a Jerome. Bettis interview and he's sitting like in his house or in his den and he's surrounded got by the, little buses 
surrounded by little school buses, and on one of them it just says www.thebus36.com. Yeah, that was the, the T-shirt that he was wearing. And the T-shirt. It was everywhere. And it blazing uh, across his chest. But, yeah, and that was such a shameless, shameless self-promotion that it, it stuck with us, and I don't think either <laughs> one of us – I remember the next time I talked to you – I don't think we were doing the show. This was a long time ago. But the next oh, time yeah. we talked about and did our picks, I think that was like, the oh, I got to tell you this, and we each had to say that. It was the same thing. <laughs> it is a long, long time ago. I was still living in Chicago. That's how long ago and that was. Bad as we gave it to him on the air – People, it's nothing compared to what we did <laughs> right after it happened. Yeah, when we hot take that one, <laughs> that was, it was way, so... did it way more dirty than we ever did him on this show. <laughs> it, it was so shit. We'd never seen anything like that at that time. <laughs> that was that was worse, you know. And and now, of course, we have the the TB12 and Tiger Woods with his stupid logo on his hat. We had yeah, Roger Federer. Yeah, we. I didn't know Federer was doing it too. Never thought we'd have a Roger Federer reference on our show, but yeah, he's got the RF logo and everything. Yeah, that I will go out on record and say is probably the first time. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Take the time to catalog our show for all of the references yeah. we've ever. Made. Probably the first Roger Federer, maybe one of the first tennis references ever. The 26-year-old Sebastian is out there whacking off while he's writing our index, and then you can you can add Roger Federer to the index now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sebastian. So too, too, too much imagery. Oh, he's, he's, got, he's got quite the index, yeah. We should probably start upping the Roger Federer references until they get past Mike Mitchell. <laughs> well, damn it, you just inserted another oh. Mike Mitchell reference, so... Future Hall, for future Hall of Infamy, uh, <laughs> for no fault of his own, might be the. Could it be the first entrant? For no fault of his own. <laughs> and and not only that, but oh God, I do not want to go back and find that clip again. I do not. I don't want to. I don't ever want to hear that again. Oh, well, we need to pin so when it happened, what year that was, so we can figure out what year Mike Mitchell was drafted. So, uh, <laughs> the worst draft party ever. <sighs> I yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Thankfully, they haven't uh, been back. Though those particular prank callers, uh, that, that was just that, that was the, you know it was fun. It was bad. It was fun. Bad. <laughs> It was fun for them. It was, it was just bad for me. I was, yes, I was like, what are, what are you doing? Hopefully not a true story. We'll never know. That, that was, But that was when, <laughs> I, when we started getting score overnight calls on this show. <laughs> we were getting those Chris Ranji calls. You know, White they don't Sox do that to, to Ranji. Those weren't even like White Sox normal post game bad. That was like Sox White Sox post game show after they played in Seattle bad. Right. Those those I was just about to say that those West Coast games that ended at one in the morning. Those calls. Post game caller. That was those dudes. <laughs> uh, people don't realize we are you know being both born and raised in Chicago. We are referencing uh, listening to uh, sports radio in Chicago. <laughs> Chris Ranji makes the index. All right, yeah, Ranger. 
He's been on. Yeah. Uh, we, we, every time we've had a bad call like that, we've always referenced the. Yes. Cubs post game shows were never that bad for because for the longest time they were on GN. Yep. Uh, and GN kept it a little classier. Maybe they had better call screeners. I don't think the score had uh, better call screeners. And the and the Sox weren't they on BBM for a long time, or WLS? They they bounced around. Yeah, they've been on a few but, different stations. I don't are they even on the score anymore? Because I know the Cubs are on the score now. The Cubs are on the score now, so the, the, I promise you the Sox are not on the score as well. They, they, they would never. The first year that the score took over Cubs broadcasting, that the Cubs won the World Series? Of course. With all those Cubs haters at that station? I uh, I kind of wish I was still living in Chicago when it happened, just to hear some of the, the screaming and the, and the gnashing of teeth. But I'm sure it was it was torturous because there are people that spent their entire lives waiting to call the the, the score to talk about their their Cubs bias, uh, even though they're yeah. a White Sox station. Um, and so then when they actually get on there and and start winning, and that that had to make some people's head explode. So I'm right. sure that was kind of entertaining. So, but yeah, the Sox cannot possibly be there anymore if the Cubs are there. I, I don't know where the Sox moved. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend like I know, but they're not at the score anymore. Over to ESPN 1000. Okay, that that would make sense because that's where they they used to be when when it was WMVP. I think that's where they moved. I don't know. Like, who knows? Who the hell knows? They could be on BBM. They could be on Telemundo or something. You know. <laughs> Uh, baseball, uh, Telemundo. Yes. <laughs> be on Channel 44. Uh, I don't, for all I don't think Ed Farmer knows uh, too much Spanish. Uh, add, add Ed Farmer to the index. Old yeah. Farmio. Wow. Uh, we're going, yeah, we're talking about those deep cuts. You brought out the dumplings and look what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have shows like that where we go completely kings of non-secretary. You know, I think it happens a little more often as we get later in the year and closer to Christmas and we start sort of reminiscing about Chicago and thinking back and, you know, we'll, we'll break out the Jingle Bell Rock uh, coming up soon and, oh, and start. Yeah. Oh, wait, I just started doing it. You said it. <laughs> start thinking about Skinner again. It's like Pavlov's dog. It start rocking. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny when we went to, when we met our football fan rush radio cohorts for lunch and that Jingle Bell Rock came up and Renard immediately <laughs> started doing like, we're we're all indoctrinated. I mean, seriously, we're all like Manchurian candidates now, or something. <laughs> like, what it, did they do? To us? <laughs> it will never die. It, it, that and the, the the sign language White Christmas. Yes, anytime you hear White Christmas, you have to start doing it in sign language because for some reason they taught us one song and one song only in sign language, and it was White Christmas. Every year, every year we have to do that yeah. for our son. To say, you know, now that my kids are in, you know, my, my daughter's in second grade and my son's in kindergarten, so this is the first year that they're both going to be in the same Christmas concert, although they don't dare call it a Christmas concert. It's a holiday concert. Of course, you can't call it a Christmas concert. Oh, God, no, you can't do that. And they sing different songs every year. We never did that. We sang the same songs, the same routine. Every year, we went to the same bank and the same police station at every right. year. 
we we loved our. You remember going to the bank and then we'd all be sitting on yeah. the floor at McDonald's. That was always like the big deal. Absolutely. Very and fond memories. Nation so proud that we all sang for the cops and got fingerprinted. I remember that. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> I remember being for the bank because people were walking by and smiling and sort of patting us on the head, and we didn't yeah. know anything. We're just sitting no, there in the middle of the floor. No, no. You know, sitting in the back of the bus, hitting the potholes, flying up and hitting the bus. <laughs> it was way before people cared about, like, kids' safety, you know. And it used to be, I mean, like, it was, you'd hit a big pothole, and it would look like the back third of the bus just exploded with children. <laughs> yes. We didn't Nobody have phones either, so we didn't have any electronic devices to go flying in the air. That's true. Can't do that nowadays. Videos of us on our death ride downtown. <laughs> You know, if I had, if they had, if they had cell phone videos, you know, all the trouble that I got in in grade school, it would have been so much worse. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd actually had to serve a jail sentence, I'm sure. Yeah, thank God we didn't have Twitter when you were in high school. <laughs> Hashtag wow, look at those kids. <laughs> Add that to the uh, to the index. We, we've referenced, we've referenced that before as well. I'd be the first reference of that on the show, but nobody gets what we're talking about, so we don't have to tell the story. No, we, we don't. If, if you really want to know the story, of course, uh, email us, tweet us, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yes. yes has, hashtag wild. If you know people's draft day parties, then you know about some of our in-jokes. That's a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, but but just kind of pointing out what I've always uh, had in mind for our show, if we ever got a podcast, and now we've had it for seven years now. Seven years, is, seven years of picking games and seven years of, oh, my God, ten years almost of a blog. Yeah, we've got so much to, to pull from. We've got history from first grade on. We've got stories. We've got, we haven't even scratched the surface of some of the, the stuff that we saw and went through in, in, in grade school and high school and uh there's way that you have 700 stories of, of me embarrassing myself that you haven't told yet. Thank goodness. Um, and yeah, yeah, we just got uh, all sorts of stuff that we could talk about and, and hopefully make it entertaining, uh, you know, depending on how much we explain it. If we don't explain any of it, then it's like, what, what are they talking about? But uh, people just laugh because we're laughing. So it's like they're in on the right. joke. Yeah. It's just two guys having a good time and, yeah. and, and talking shit. So any any uh, wow, I mean, so did you see the thing about the Astros? I did. Uh, yeah, there's uh, <laughs> there's a little so I, little duplicitousness going on, and they they tried to bury that very quickly. Um, we had a little Spygate situation. Sounds like going on down there in Houston. The strangest part of it is that it's just Mike Fires randomly decided. Did, did he have a conscious attack or something? And did, why is he coming out with this now? It just no. Very odd that, that all of a sudden Mike Fires decides to announce, you know, back when I was on the Astros in 17 when they won the title, yeah, they were stealing signs in the, the center field camera. Yep. Yep, everybody knew it. Um, okay. Like what, uh, everybody knew it? Nobody said a word about it? Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, and, that's really interesting. And, uh, yeah. yeah, Mike Fires needs to do himself a favor and not play for a National League team so he doesn't have to stand in the batter's box. <laughs> Because he will get drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled again, and then Miles Garrett will run out of the dugout and smash him with a helmet. And yeah. uh, 
I don't. Yeah, I don't understand the timing behind that. Yeah, we, 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 do we want to see a guy get his batting helmet ripped off and bashed over his head, or a catcher no, mask or something? No, Miles will still have the Pittsburgh Steeler helmet. He'll still have Mason Rudolph's helmet. The rhythm of that. He might still have Mason Garrett, uh, Mason Rudolph's helmet. Yes, he's, he's probably got it on his mantle it a, now. Keep it as a souvenir. Yeah, forever and ever. No, what what, what um, probably happened was Mason Rudolph got his helmet back. And then when the suspension was announced, hopefully he signed it and mailed it to Miles Garrett. <laughs> or, or sold it. You could put that thing on eBay and probably uh, capitalizing on the, the publicity, probably make a half a million dollars off oh, of that thing. This is the actual helmet that I was hit in the head by Miles Garrett. This is the actual helmet. I bet you'd fetch, I bet you'd get six figures if you put it up for auction. I promise you. Yeah. Probably, yeah, is, you know, if it's gonna, you know, it's a charity, you donate to charity. Yeah, they'd have to give some to charity to make CTE it look good. CTE or something like that. Ah, Christopher Nowinski up at Boston University, and I'm sure he'd, he'd love to have that donation and put that add Chris Nowinski to the index. Um, but yeah, the the baseball thing that was uh, the the reaction by baseball by by MLB was funny. You know, we're, we're gonna look into all this and we're gonna because. Uh, if you get on this roll of consciousness and, and and people start actually talking about what kind of things people do to cheat, because everybody cheats. And I think we all know that, but we just don't have people sitting there and say, yeah, yeah, everybody uh, know that we had a, a center field camera. Everybody knew that. That doesn't usually happen. So if you, you, you gotta, gotta kind of tamp that out before, you know, before the ball starts rolling. So, that, yeah, they, we're we're having an investigation. We're having a full investigation. Everybody's being investigated, everything. Uh, so they're going there and trying to, to tie everybody's mouth shut as we speak right now. Like, okay, we are not doing this, all right? We are, we are not having everybody talk about this, so the, all this that we do. Because you start there, we're going to have to eventually start talking about what the pitchers do, baseballs, and all the scuffing that we know that they do, and all the different uh substances that they put on the ball because you do not have to rub the back of your head every time before a pitch gets thrown. I'm telling you, <laughs> you don't have to do that, but no. a lot of guys do. You know, yeah, the only thing that you know about in sports when, you know, we find out about a cheater is all you know is, yeah, those, that's just when we got caught. That's Right, it. exactly. You were just the bad thing, at cheating. The bad cheaters like, get caught. The ones that don't know how to, to cheat, the ones that have not been properly taught by the veterans how to cheat, the the things that guys do with their bats that that we don't know about, uh, the the sign stealing obviously gets talked about all the time. Uh, yes, I promise you, there's so many little things that gets done that that people take advantage of in in, in baseball and. I don't know why. Again, I don't know why Fires decided to open his mouth and and start talking about it, but. Uh, Again, that that could start a, an avalanche, and I think MLB is trying to, to cut that off now before it before it gets out of hand. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that was just a, that was a little blurb this week that they buried in there right before they and then. Oh, hey, look all the festivities, and we're going to start announcing all of our rookie of the year and. MVPs and don't worry about the cheating. Look at our MVP. Look. It's yeah, Mike now Trout it's all again. disappeared. Yeah, right. it's all yeah, Mike Trout again. Again. Just call it the Mike Trout Award and give it to somebody else. All the championships that he's won, uh, which is a complete cheap shot by me because there's there's only so much he can do. 
It's only so much true. you can just do what he do. Yeah. And he got he, his money though. He'd be better. He he he'd earn right. that. Exactly. But I was you know, <laughs> uh he's counting his money right now. I'm sure he's not yeah. feeling too bad. He's counting all those millions. Uh, you know, you yeah. can buy a lot of phony ring. You can probably buy somebody else's World Series ring. They should send one to him because of all the money they save. <laughs> Cut him in on the uh, on the share. Hey, you, you want another uh, thirty thousand dollars? It's a World Series share. <laughs> oh, actually, we did. But what we mean is, we couldn't have won this without you leaving. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that would be kind of funny if they gave him a ring. Uh, but I don't know how you do that and not become probably. not come off as very snarky. That, that's probably as bad a taste as Mason Rudolph autographing and sending, sending <laughs> it to Miles Garrett. Probably. However, uh, all right. Mason Rudolph's 2020 uh, football card. I want that just the the picture of him getting jacked up by the dude. <laughs> he's standing there, you know, sort of like waving his arms at the refs, like, "Hey, hey, did you see that? Of course they saw that." Does it have to be a split uh, picture on the on the front to be the full uh, contact to the head, uh, and then the next and then the next picture with him with his arms out, going, "What the hell?" When Miles Garrett turns Mason Rudolph into a human turtle, <laughs> it looks like his head almost disappeared into his shoulder pads when he got hit by that from the reaction. Uh, and again, thankfully we can laugh at it because it wasn't a, a yeah, knockout no. blow like it could have been. Yeah, it could have been the knockout game right there. Ugh. All right, I think we've uh, covered everything as, as far as that goes. That was a pretty wild show. Fun bad. It's a fun bad show. It's the word <laughs> of the thing. And as usual, a fun bad. scratching from two and a half hours of talking. I, I certainly understand that. All right, uh, nothing on the uh, horizon for next weekend, so we're going right to uh, to Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. Uh, the week after, we'll have Thanksgiving on Thursday, so I'm, we'll probably. Uh, I'm sure you'll just do it like we do. You'll send me the lines, and I'll tweet my Thanksgiving picks out, unless we want to toss in a quick show um, on that Wednesday night. Unless because there's three games and it's Thanksgiving, I had thought if you wanted to throw in like a, a half hour hour show or something on that Wednesday night, we could do that. I like that idea. Um, I'm trying to think, I think we bowls so would have to be a ten o'clock show, which is um, fine for me. I work till eight uh, that day before Thanksgiving, so I mean I'm, I'm not going to be home until nine anyways. But for three picks, I figure you know. It's not like it's just one pick and we throw it up on Twitter. No, it's our triple gobble. It's a triple gobble. Or we could do it Tuesday. I have nothing against doing it Tuesday, which is my day off. Actually, yes, I'm off that day. So I have nothing against doing like a Tuesday at 9 either. Hmm. We can work Uh, that out. I'll I'll get back to you on that. Because I'm working Tuesday and then I'm off Wednesday, so Wednesday would actually probably be better for me. But, ah, but, but we'll, bowl. just the the show would have to be late a little later because I do uh, go bowl. Ah, but, well, not uh, a big deal for me because I don't think either one of us work on Thanksgiving, so we could do Wednesday. We can do correct. a Wednesday and just do like a, you know, 
hour. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds good. So that's what we'll aim for for uh, for our triple gobble. Yeah, I was thinking we're gonna have to uh, type out uh, three picks on on Twitter and put them up for for Thanksgiving. I one, but when I was thinking, it's like, man, I got to do three, and I got to yeah. there actually. You know, I'd rather just do it on the show and not have to come right. up with three things to put out there. So yeah. Because I was I was already uh, dreading it like the on Thanksgiving morning because uh, right. I wasn't uh, you know I wasn't going to probably do it Wednesday night. I'm putting up the Christmas tree and we're having breakfast and we're watching the parades and we're doing stuff with the kids and there's Christmas music in the house and we're getting ready for we're hosting Thanksgiving this year so we're gonna have like 15 people over. The last thing I want to oh, do okay. is like, I forgot to tweet out my football picks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then so, I'm, I, like, I like it. Good idea. We'll, we'll do that. We're, we're cooking the turkey as always and bringing it over to uh, her uncle's house. And I'm, I'm getting up early to go to the gym before that. And then I was thinking about, okay, when do I fit in sitting down and been tweeting out the pics uh, in between all of that. So we'll, we'll just, yeah. we'll just, uh, we'll just do them quickly on that Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, I, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board. Let's plan for that Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. Sounds good. Um, as far as recapping week 11 and picking week 12, that will be next Saturday night. We're aiming for, as always, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern uh, to hopefully not have any more ugly incidents like we had this past Thursday night and get back to actual football and also hopefully not have the craziness of last weekend with some of those weird upsets and crazy games. Hopefully this will be a, a, a little more normal week 11, but yeah, three, only three games that were different on after uh, all that build up and all that craziness. So we'll, we'll see what happens in those three games. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go as well. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening and we'll be back next weekend to pick week 12 in the NFL. We'll talk to you then and get you in the uh, Christmas spirit before we get to Thanksgiving. Oh, damn it. I'm doing it. Yep. Here you go. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing <laughs> I can actually hear your fingers snapping. <laughs> yeah, I was doing that right by the thing there. Yeah, but I'm, I'm swinging those arms. I'm snapping. I'm doing it. I'm with you. Throw my back up. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.